And welcome to another episode of Plaid Stallions. I am Brian, and with me to my left is Jason. Hello, everyone. And we drive around the country solving mysteries and righting wrongs. Is that what we do? Um, if you said writing ROMs, R-O-M, the action figure, then that's definitely true. Yeah. Because we, we fix Parker Brothers' ROM. Going around the country yes. and fixing every... Uh, piece of rom that i can find to uh, although you know i shouldn't take the credit because you're the one that has the soldering iron and i have i actually have a pocket soldering iron right which is very handy yeah okay but you're not allowed to go near a school no no don't be silly too dangerous (laughs) too dangerous well welcome welcome i hope you've missed us and that kind of witty i've missed us i have yeah uh, uh, November was a little hectic for both of us. November uh, actually just disappeared. Um, Brian went through a went through a wormhole. Well, Brian Brian was working fourteen hour days on a book, and it was December. And yeah, um, how did that happen? And I was proofing it, so that's that's, that's true. A, you you um, that's an you eight did hour actually day. proof it, and. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was going to make a Seinfeld joke about how you had uh, you had sex with the cleaning lady while you were proofing it, but I don't know how many people <laughs> not watched for this Seinfeld. Book. Not for this book, but mm-hmm. the previous one I did. Mm. Yeah. True. And then tracking down world leaders to maybe write the intro, and that's been not as easy as I thought it would be, to be honest. Yeah, Leonard Brezhnev not returning my emails. He's, he's prickly. Mm-hmm. He's prickly. Also... Um, Dead. So yeah, so uh, Brian came up with a great topic for this episode, and uh, I couldn't be happier about it because he's one of my one of my heroes. Uh, Brian, would you like to tell the folks what we're doing today? Marjo Gortner. Finally. Finally. No. Um, I've been over here for six years waiting for this. I don't know why I do that shit because uh, people who click on this know the topic, so there's absolutely no. Um, joke value to that whatsoever. But. You, know, you know what? Actually, I'm glad you said that because the joke is the joke is you you could keep me in suspense, but I know the, the answer too. But I think yeah. what we should do. I think what we should do one month, or if we do it a couple times a month or whatever we do, is do like a a, a lightning type thing where I don't know you get to choose, and then you come to the table and I'm it is a surprise to me, or maybe the heading is just surprise. Give it a listen. Don't grab bag. Is, and we'll do a kind of a grab bag. Hodgepodge. A hodgepodge. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, no, I could do that. Yeah, you know what? Let's do that. Let, let's let our next episode, even if it's a mini-sode, mm-hmm. we, we each write two topics on an index card. Yeah. And they can be a name. And yeah. we have to talk about them. Let, let's do that. Because, because let's be and honest. And I expect you to have index cards. Let, let's be honest. I mean, that's half the joke of doing this is like the, the way we sort of get sidetracked and ramble and so on. Like, oh, yeah. I, we could, we could take two names of just about anybody in pop culture 
and find a way to, to talk for 20 to 60 minutes. <laughs> Can I please, before we get into the subject, because I know this will irritate the person, but I got a, I got a, oh, here it is. I got this love letter on YouTube that I meant to send you, but let's do it on the show. All right. Hey, this is, hey, next time you guys do a podcast, discuss the actual topic at hand <laughs> from the get-go, not off-topic HBO movies. Thanks. But the thanks is, you know, it's got a couple exclamation marks. And it's like, you know, that triggers like that. You don't get us, man. Is that real? That's 100% real, okay. yes. Can I just say, not only is that the best piece of fan mail we've ever gotten, mm. it's really the quote for the poster of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Really, like, you know, you know, you know, when they, you know, when they uh, tell whatever famous story, but in the telling of it, they go backwards and then have the little quotes of like, worst film ever, you know, says Vincent Canby of the. Yeah, piece. yeah, yeah. We could use that quote and be like, yeah, yeah, that's the perfect quote, because that's really what the show is. I, I really wanted to respond with, no, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But, you know, I just didn't. You should have responded with, I'm sorry, what were you saying? Yeah. I can't stay. Well, <laughs> I, I, I told I've OK, let's. Let's do this. Have we, even, have we even talked about the topic? Right, you're getting off topic, for God's sake. Oh, my stars. Uh, that, that's probably a new record. Um, yeah, no, uh, our, our topic is... Get to the point. Bill Murray. Um, Bill Murray was a guy I wanted to grow up to be, and uh, especially based on his performances in movies like Caddyshack and um, Meatballs. And when I turned 20, I realized, oh, this is a really achievable, attainable goal, and maybe I should reassess things. Um, but I thought it was a really interesting thing to talk about because I was recently interviewed for uh, a bunch of uh, TV and movie projects, documentaries, that sort of thing, and the film crew that came was delightful and while they weren't, you know, we were in the same age, I, you know, I wouldn't call them young men or anything, but um, the guy was a couple of years younger than me, and he was talking about how he was trying to do something with Bill Murray, and it was very obvious that uh, kids of the 80s really idolized Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. And well, I think there's something, <clears throat> there's something um, really fascinating that's happened with him, too, like... I, and I'm, I don't mean to you could do this in a roundabout way, but we've talked about this many times where so much of the stuff that we talk about, the formative stuff, you know, of a certain age, the things that we grew up with and loved. And yes, we love things that happened before we were born. And, you know, it, you know, when we were too young to remember, et cetera. But the bulk of this stuff is in sort of our, our youth. OK, but, it, you know, even musically, there's a reason that we, we really got lucky with with when we were around and the formative stuff that we got, because there's a reason so much of it endures the way it does, where um, there's not as much iconic stuff from the last. OK, say the last 20 years, I think someone would say, 
the Harry Potter films or Lord of the Rings or whatever. But okay, what what else? You know, like all the stuff that we kind of experienced is still an ongoing concern today. And when you go well, a little film called a lucky number Slevin. Thank you very much. Yeah. Let me tell you the, the, the corner of hot topic that has the lucky number Slevin merch is yeah. always w- wiped clean, but that's actually a good hot topic is a good example because um, you go in there and this, this has to do with the music thing that we were, we were looking into for, for Biff Bang Pow, but you go into like a hot topic store and, 90% of the stuff in there was not, did not kick off in the lifetime of the average age of the person that's in there buying it. Yeah. You know, Bowie and Beetlejuice and, you know, Ghostbusters and whatever. So Murray, Murray has, has become this iconic, um, you know, not, you know, in a different way than like Ackroyd or any of the, I think he's the best thing that ever came off of SNL. I know that's probably sacrilege to certain people about Eddie Murphy and other, other incredibly talented people, but, um, I am a, I'm a Phil Hartman devotee. Phil Hartman was brilliant. Phil Hartman, the thing about Phil Hartman was he was so good at doing characters. He was so good at, at all the, the character and impression stuff that he did. That that's why it was so hard to find a project for him, you know. Oh, I agree. He, yeah, and, and uh, but you know, I really don't want to upset the uh, ardent Chris Kattan fan base out there. There, do you know what? Qu- quoting quoting your wife again, that is someone's favorite SNL. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That is someone's favorite. But anyway, but Murray Murray has has what he did, which I think is you know we can talk about all the things we loved about him, and you know, when we first knew who he was and so on. But he, he really kind of did something different, um, you know, after Ghostbusters, you know, when he did the, the Razor's Edge and then Ghostbusters and, you know, sort of taking time off until he did Scrooge and so on and so forth, living in Paris. He, he just seemed to kind of buck so much of the system at a, at a very early age for him that, of course, now everybody knows that he doesn't have a manager and he doesn't have an agent and he just, you know, has an answering service or whatever it is. He really is this Zen master in another universe that yeah. it's found, it's found this other layer of, of, of being an icon that's, that's separate and different even from the stuff he was doing in the seventies and eighties that was already so iconic, which is kind of fascinating. But, but before we get to all that, what was the, do you remember the first time you saw him perform or something you saw him in or what, what was the, cause you're in Canada. And I don't know when you got. Yeah, I would have to say, and, and it's it's hard to, you know, it, the memory cheats, but it was probably Meatballs, um, because that was considered Canadian content, and that got on television fairly quickly. Um, that was definitely the one that made the impression on me, and that is, I don't know if you've watched that recently. I, I actually just did. Um, I watched about ten years ago. Um, it's been a while. It, it, you know, it is what it is, but it's, it holds up for what it is. It's not, it's not Porky's and it's not, um, no, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, for me, it's a little bit of a memory lane thing too, because, um, a lot of the people in that film are Canadian actors that you never saw again. But I saw in television commercials and, and, you know, like one of those things where yeah. they they had a longer life. And it, the guy, not the that guy, 
the nemesis. The, do we have the glasses with somebody, right? Didn't he kind of do a lot of stuff? The nemesis? Yeah, that was done. He, 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 yeah, he always got yeah. picked. The, yeah, the, um, the nerdy yeah guy. I, I know that the chubby guy who's like Spaz's friend in that film, he really got around. He was in a ton of commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he passed away, actually. Um, the, the, the camp counselor, Morty, I have, uh, a personal relationship with. He's passed away, but it was a Canadian actor by the name of Harvey Atkin. He was on shows like, he was on the new Avengers. He was on, uh, Cagney and Lacey. Mm. Uh, and he, um, he was also an owner of a car wash. That was uh, across the street from where I worked, and he was um, not that nice. He was not a nice dude. Uh, well, so. you know, he went from meatballs to owning a car wash. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, actually, he did a ton of voice work. He was like on Sam and Max, and um, I think he was actually doing the Mario Brothers cartoon at some time. So wait, so did you did you see Meatballs when it came out? No, I didn't see it in the theater. Obviously, I saw it on like CTV, probably when I was ten or eleven. I was but, trying to think of when I when I saw it, and I think I might have gone to the movies to see it at the movies I'm because sure. it was seventy nine, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, 79? yeah. So I probably saw it in eighty or eighty one, so I would have been ten. I, I it sounds it sounds made up or cliche, but uh, obviously my my first exposure to him was SNL. And you mm. think about it now, I don't know if seven year olds are watching or staying up to <laughs> staying oh, up. only if only if your brother's name is Gino. Uh. <laughs> How I mean, when I talk would talk to people I know now that have little kids or whatever, like these kids are in bed on a Saturday by eight thirty or something. I was up watching Monty Python and the Holy Grail at like midnight on public television on Channel 2 or SNL on Saturday nights, which which would have been, uh, you know, Minnesota St. Paul time would have been uh, like 11 p.m., I think, or something on a Saturday night. I was staying up to watch SNL. I don't know who was looking after me, but I, I seemed to do OK. But um but I knew him from that, and then. The, but the thing that always sticks in my mind as as like this formative thing that I think of him is Nick the Lounge Singer on SNL. Yeah, and I didn't catch that till reruns. Especially the Star Wars episode when he started doing the Star Wars song, and it was just this this moment of things, me just going, "What is he doing?" You know, just as a little kid, not getting the, the not getting all the shtick of of who Nick was supposed to be, but just how funny he was doing these ridiculous songs and stuff. Um, that is probably the, the thing that I, I would point to and go, that's when I knew who Bill Murray was, was mm. that, and the fact that one of them at least was, they were doing it from, you know, breezy point resort is what they said. And that was a place that we go for vacations. It's <laughs> breezy point. And I think it was because Franken and Davis wrote those, those bits, a lot of those bits. They're Minnesota guys, right? Minnesota guys, yeah. So that was like another mind-blowing kind of moment. Um, but but I think I saw Meatballs in the theater with uh, my my then buddy Mark Bukulski down the street who went to see everything. See, when I, um, when I finally was old enough to see Saturday Night Live, so probably like 10, 
it was that I remember, you know, I, I'd, I'd heard of Saturday Night Live. I was a huge SCTV fan because that played at decent hours. And I was excited to watch Saturday Night Live. And it was the, um, the Jean, Jean de Bont era. So like that disastrous oh. season with Gilbert Gottfried Gilbert and Godfrey, Denny Dillon and Charles yeah, yeah Charles was- Rocket. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I can honestly remember going, like being 10 years old going, what's so good about this? Like, <laughs> you know, I'm up late and that's awesome, but this is terrible. And, um, I actually rewatched those. Comedy Central played them like 20, it's probably 30 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually rewatched them and they are just awful. Terrible. Like it is, it, it's just, not it's, good. It's I feel I feel like because I did revisit some of them a while ago. Yeah, little, little sketches and it, it felt like it was almost trying to. And I say this and fired. Well, I'm saying this like in the loosest way possible, like not really the punk ethic, but like it almost felt like it was going. We know that you loved all this other stuff. That's not what the show is. This is what the show is now. We're we're like purposely going to be so annoying or so nothing with these sketches that it, it almost felt like it was trying to, you know, deconstruct or, I mean, I'm giving it more credit, but it's just, it's so, it's so as any, for any sketch show, it's just, it's bad. But I mean, the fact that it was carrying the torch for this thing that had become an institution and there's yeah. no base. And, 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 uh, can I, can I to... say something controversial? Yes. I, um, I find the, the early Saturday Night Live way over romanticized. Oh, uh, this, you're talking to a kid. <laughs> I was the kid, you know, hanging out with his friends or, you know, in the neighborhood or whatever, and they would, they'd be redoing the SNL stuff for talking. And I, I'd be the kid going, yeah, it's not as good as, uh, it's not as good as Monty Python's Flying Circus. Yeah, okay, good. good and they good. go, what, what, wait, Monty, what the who? It's Monty Python's Flying Circus. You guys don't know that show? Yeah, it's on, it's on Channel 2. It's like uh, 10 o'clock on Friday nights. Yeah, it's really good. It's not, it's not as good as any of that stuff. Like, yeah, like, I, I was the SCTV kid. So, I, was the guy, uh, I was the guy defending Wings over Kiss at, on the playground. Going, oh, okay. I thought you meant Wings, the, the, the Wings, 1990s sitcom. It's really, it's really underrated. You're, you're, you don't get it right now, but you'll get it soon. Kiss is all just kind of, yeah, they're fine, but, you know. But SNL was. And that, that's you sound thing. like a young George Plimpton. People forget. Uh, I was. I, had a, I wore a suit when I was like eight or nine. <laughs> I, brought it with I just picture you with an espresso. <laughs> And I brought a chair everywhere I went and sat down with the other kids that were sitting around and like, tell me what you thought about the SNL. What was so great about it uh, the other night? But it's funny you say that because it is, this is the thing about SNL. And I realize we're getting way off topic here because we're supposed to be talking. Are about we? Because we're talking about SNL. But it is, it is over romanticized because here's the thing. Um, and if you're going to, if you, I mean, to me, it's like, comparisons that people make, you know, this band versus this, whatever. People always go, you know, Monty Python, SNL, SCTV, et cetera. Well, SCTV to me is, I mean, Python to me is, is, is the Beatles. And then, and then SCTV is right next to it. You know what I mean? SNL is so distant because, but there was nothing else to really compare, you know, in the mix. Those early shows were like 90 minutes. And there, what, what people romanticize are the iconic moments or the iconic characters that sort of became runners, not not the way they were beaten to death, you know, by the time of the, the 80s runs, where they would just get a character and a catchphrase and just constant. But 
But from beginning to end, to sit and watch some of those shows, I mean, that's the audience is, you know, deathly silent through much of those shows. Yeah. Um, so it's just that it's those those moments as opposed to something. Is like there, I, th- I think everything uh, a friend of mine. Uh, John Marshall, who who's written um, some books and he actually was in Toy Ventures. He had this point about vintage Batman comics ages ago. Where he's like, uh, he posted this long rant. It was funny as hell. He's like, I bought this, you know, 70s run of Batman comics. And he's like, oh, my God, have you people ever read these? You remember the stories that are amazing. Right. And you've forgotten the filler. Right. And, you know, if I asked you to pick out, and I'm paraphrasing here because it's been a long time since I read this rant. Um, if I asked you to pick out the best parts, you'd name the same stuff I would after just freshly reading this. You wouldn't remember the boring story about the penguin and the, you know, like, and, and I think it, it, it's, and I hate to quote this guy, but, uh, going to Doctor Who and John Nathan Turner, the memory cheats. Oh my and, God. Does it ever? And does... we, we, we over romanticize the things that were great. But I mean, uh, but we also, it's funny because you bring that up because I did just, what was I doing that I suddenly put on, I think I had the DVD set and I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put on Time Flight. I'm going to watch Time Flight because I've I don't have seen it since it aired. Okay. For those that aren't into Doctor Who, Time Flight is a terrible episode. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the end of Peter Davison's first season and it's, I, oh my I, God, that's the one with the. Oh no, okay, that's the one with the Heathrow Airport. Yeah, I haven't seen that since the eighties. It is so like you need vast quantities of drugs to 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 get any sense of it or watch it. It's just it's it's completely um, ridiculous. But but I mean, I remember being a kid going, "What the f-? you know, like what." But, you know, telling yourself kind of like, well, it's okay because the next one's going to be better or like the next, you know, I still have to kind of stick with the show because I loved it so much and it was so different or, you know, so there's a lot of stuff that it was going to get better. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. You're right. The memory cheats. I think there's plenty of stuff that you can go back to and go, yep, this is as good as I remember. There's just as much stuff you can go back to and go this is as bad as I recall or whatever. And then every now and then you're kind of surprised, you know, either way or, you know, either side of it. But the SNL thing too was it was, you know, and and it's something that SCTV didn't really do. When you think about it, SNL was topical. So, I mean, that stuff is dated, you know, a month later, two weeks later, a year later, et cetera. Um, You know, it's, it's, that's the problem that it's always had and why those sketches aren't as iconic as, the stuff that SCTV and Python did because they were archetypes. They were, you know, they were just characters that they created instead of constantly commenting on, you know, whoever was in the White House or, you know, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, we could do a whole episode on SNL. We should do that next. Yeah, we've done SCTV. We should do SNL. Yeah, we can do so, that. So, anyways, we should probably get back to Bill Murray. Bill Murray, meatballs, etc. And then... <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, so, yeah, he's doing good. No. Good night, and everybody. Then, and then, uh, so Caddyshack, so now let me ask you this, though, because to me, it's like Animal House, Meatballs, Caddyshack, they, they're all kind of part of a vibe that starts to kind of happen with a, a type of film. 
kind. Yeah, the national. No, no, first of all, Animal House and Caddyshack are National Lampoon. Right. And I loved National Lampoon before I realized before I could read it as a kid. Um, <laughs> and that was yeah. When you asked me, like eleven year old me, what my favorite comedies in the world were, they were Animal House. They were um, uh, Meatballs and Caddyshack. Uh, absolutely. Um, and then, and, and yeah, Caddyshack to this day is a film that I adore like no other. Um, and I'm going to go personal for a minute, but there was a point in my life about, uh, five, five years ago. And you know, this where I lost my house and, um, I was uh, homeless for about four days, and my friend, who was away at his cottage, just gave me his house keys and said, stay in my house, don't worry about it, and I was losing my mind, I, I, I you know, and I, he, I went through his movies, he had like an old-timey, giant, big-screen TV in the basement, like that thing that looked like a Coke machine. Uh-huh. And my wife and kids were watching a movie upstairs, and I, I just wanted to be alone and drink my friend's booze. And I went through his movie collection, and I was like, oh, my God, you know, like, it's all kind of Saw movies and horror. And the one that I also – and the one thing I noticed about my friend that day is like, oh, my God, you're anal. Like, everything was alphabeticized. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is insane. Uh <laughs> But he had a copy, like, just the sore thumb was a copy of Caddyshack. And um, I put Caddyshack on, and I don't, my God, I don't think I've ever laughed as hard at it. I, I've seen it. I know the beats. I could, but it just, it it brought me so much joy that I fell asleep during it. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, um, yeah. No, it's, that's it was, what... I, that's why I don't trust anybody that isn't into pop culture. <laughs> Maybe not the degree that we are, but that like that that that's what it that's what it's about. Like things should bring you not only to a certain time or, you know, a, a song kick off a memory or, you know, watching that reminds you. I mean, there are things that I can't watch because they make me feel a certain way or they give yeah. me a memory. But there are there are gold standards that you should be able to go to when it's like I am so miserable. I can't think of anything to listen to or i can't think of anything to watch but if i put that on i know i'm gonna yeah. be okay because and, and caddyshack that is, that was, is the caddyshack and you know it, it is largely um it is largely the participation of 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 murray dangerfield and chase in that film yeah uh, and it, it is and you know the other thing that's just beautiful about that movie and um, doesn't make me question my relationships is that my wife adores that movie. Um, she she loves it just as much as me. It's actually that, you know, it's it's tamer than I remember. I watched it a while ago and I I thought it was I always thought it was it was darker or more raunchy than it is. I think actually Animal House is probably raunchier. Okay? It's a, yeah, definitely raunchier. Um, and I, I I'm pretty sure you've seen a. Um, the, the National Lampoon was a documentary, and then there's a, a film version of it. Um, yeah, I didn't and, and, 
the film version, but the documentary I watched, I have it on, I actually bought it on DVD. I've watched that thing four or five times. I think it's. I love both of those. Um, I just, the film to me was just kind of, I don't know what the point was because it was just replaying everything in the documentary, basically. I agree, but I just enjoyed it. And to be perfectly honest with you, uh, these people were people I wanted to be. Oh, yeah. Grew up. And, um, this brings us to our next film, and it is probably like my favorite of Bill Murray's um, films, and that's Stripes, because it is the pairing of not only uh, Bill Murray, but of Harold Ramis, which is somebody yeah. that I I hold in high regard personally. See, and I knew who Ramis was from SCTV. SCTV, yeah, and so because did I. Because by the time Ramis. we got it. In, yeah, I want to say 79 or 80 or something, whatever it was, that it was like a Friday. I think it, they, they put it on Saturday nights, I think, after SNL or maybe Friday nights. I forget. But they would do the newer stuff, like current stuff, and then they would recycle stuff from the first season that had Ramis in it. Because Ramis yeah. was in the first season, right? He was he, Mo Green, yeah, like the whole thing, he was in the first season. Um, I remember the first season very well, but... Um, they had begun to they had begun to um re like show the reruns of SCTV at that point because the show yeah. had hit and you know I was reminded of him and you know being a skinny kid with a big nose and glasses that guy was like one of my avatars <laughs> and I I really liked Ramus and I was very aware at the time like that he was a creative force. Like I knew as a kid, he had written animal house and uh, I knew as a kid that he, um, you know, obviously from, from stripes, but I knew he had directed uh national lampoons vacation as well. A, a non Murray movie, but okay. So yeah, that I, vacation was so, okay. So wait a second, wait a second. Did he Ramis directed meatballs? No, Okay, he, uh, he had written Animal House. He wrote Animal House, but who who directed? It wasn't it wasn't Ramis that directed Meatballs. It was so, Reitman. It was Reitman. Okay, perfect. So and Reitman, you know what? You just reminded me of an anecdote from Meatballs because I, you know, I watched it recently, and I, I'm one of those otaku people that wants to know everything about every fucking movie ever made. And there's a scene in Meatballs. I think it's in a parking lot, a Kmart parking lot. That I swear to God is my local Kmart as a kid, but, you know, probably wasn't. Um, Let's just pretend it was. I, I, I want to believe it because it, it could be. Memory. It was probably like Markham or, or, or you know, but um, yeah. they didn't know if Murray was actually coming to the movie. Um, and there's a note somewhere that, he the clothes he's wearing at that opening scene in Meatballs are the clothes he showed up in <laughs> because he showed up like that day. And I'm pretty sure the same can be said about Ghostbusters, which we'll get into. But um, apparently he was like that, like he, he was a noncommittal, uh, you know, weirdo. And that that. We, we'll get into that, I think, 
uh, later on in the show, but that's hit or miss for me um, in terms of that. But it also it also makes for interesting stories behind the scenes. But um, well, the thing the thing that the thing it's it's like the um, this is a, this is a, a semi analogy, I suppose. But it's like the you know I I recently worked on something which I'm not going to discuss, but the person that was in charge was such a fucking ball bag in every way possible. It was just, you just knew from the, from the outset, this was not going to go well. And there, they were of a certain age and a certain vibe that had come up in a time where if you, if you treated everybody horribly, or if you, you know, were erratic in the behavior that everybody would jump and freak out and whatever. It's, it's, it's never excusable. I don't think, but, if you're if you're really good at what you do, if you really have your stuff wired tight, or if you're a comedic genius, or whatever you want to call it, I can I can excuse a lot of stuff. And so for me, Murray, he's like, I'm sure there's a there's an ego and there's an arrogance and there's just being in his own world kind of thing. But the truth is, you, he he is the best at what he does. Like there's something about what he does. He hasn't made a lot of missteps in in a you know 40 some 45 year career you know he he knew sort of when to step back or when to walk away and then it's sort of like to have the confidence to go i'm i think i'm good at this i think i know what i'm doing and i think i'm good at it and if i like this thing you know it's it it is kind of um in, in the normal world it would be awful if you had someone like this in your life that you're waiting to hear from to get this thing going and whether they're going to show up to help you move the couch or whatever it is. But in this other world that he's in, I'm kind of fascinated by, yeah, I'm going to, he's, he's always shown up to do the work and it's always worked. Yeah. So it's, it really is a, a rarefied air that he kind of breathes that he yeah. can that do this. It's pretty extraordinary when you think about it. because yeah, we I mean, I'm sure you've heard as many stories as I have from even way back how, you know, uh, the things he didn't want to do or couldn't commit to or didn't think he wasn't like really Batman. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, well, let's go back to let's let's rewind a bit, because I just saw something recently um, that some interviews from 84. Um, there's somebody put up these interviews for, for Ghostbusters. This woman, th- this will tell you what what a different era it is. The woman that's doing the interviewing, she's got to be, you know, mid 60s or something and she was like an entertainment columnist i don't know who it was but she gets murray and Aykroyd and ramus alone um you know for this junket or whatever it is but there's no if this was being done today it would be someone about 12 with you know three assistants <laughs> doing who are you people again yeah exactly like oh i just i heard you did the, the you know but each of these little clips is like she's asking the most personal <laughs> and like uncomfortable she's grilling Ackroyd about the the Wired book that's about to come out about pollution oh, yeah, Bob Woodward did, and then she's asking Ramus about it because he got interviewed for it too, and she's talking to to Murray about Razor's Edge and about a soliloquy he kind of gives, and was he thinking about Belushi at the time? And this is like less than two years after you know Belushi died, you know, and then she's she's asking him she's asking Ackroyd about Belushi, and he's saying some stuff that I've never heard or seen in print is pretty amazing like how little time he was spending with him at a certain point because you know he didn't listen to me and he didn't you know he was it was all negativity and it was all he was going to a very dangerous place and he wouldn't listen to me and da, 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 you know um 
pretty interesting. It was very, very, un- I don't think, I think if that, they, someone tried to do that today, you'd have assistants around going, can you not ask that? Don't, don't, you're not, you know, don't ask anything about this and don't say anything about this. Just ask the three questions about the movie. You've got three minutes, go. So it's kind of fascinating, but, uh, you had said something about him coming into Ghostbusters late and, you know, the famous, you know, story about that is Aykroyd, I think the last phone call he had with Belushi was, you know, on maybe the night of or the night before. I think he was he was in L.A. He was at the at the chateau um, in, a, in a bungalow, <clears throat> um, which I've been to, by the way. Um, oh, wow. And and he um, and Belushi's kind of in a, in a dark place. And 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 Aykroyd says something. Like, Look, I'm writing this movie. It's I'm almost done. Like we're going to once this thing gets off the ground. You know, easy street, man. Just hang in there. I'm going to be out to him and get on a plane as quick as I can and be out there. We'll hang out. Blah, blah, blah. And then the next day, Belushi was dead. But he was talking about Ghostbusters because uh, he was the the Vankman part was was Belushi. Um, so so what is your take or what did you what have you always heard about Murray's involvement with Ghostbusters and how how it all sort of happened? Um, yeah, I. I uh... I don't know a heck of a lot about it um, because I, the, the one thing I, I did hear was that he was cagey about being involved with it and didn't show up until the last day. But, uh, you know, the Ivan Reitman connection is something that I find interesting because, you know, Reitman directed Stripes, which is probably my favorite Bill Murray movie. It's the first movie I ever rented on VHS. <laughs> and yeah, Laser Blast and Stripes were the first. Isn't movie. that funny that you can remember? Isn't that, isn't that weird that you can remember the first movie you rented? Of on course VHS? you can, because it That's leaves amazing. an impact on you. And I'm pretty sure we talked about that in our, our video That's store episode. Mental though. It's mental. I know it's mental, but is it? Because like, I got nothing. <laughs> no, no, um, no. I- Listen, you're talking. But it also had an SCTV connection. I can tell you the first single I bought, the first album, the first movie, all that. It's just so fascinating that we can remember shit like that. And you know that Stripes was the first VHS tape that you rented. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely something. I mean, if it was all that jazz, I don't think I'd be as excited. <laughs> I think you, that would be the first video disc you rented. <laughs> Why? <laughs> so, um, so, so Stripes, yeah, Stripes, Stripes, Stripes was a huge... It's a great movie. It's a great it's movie. It's a great movie. It's something that I know note for note, beat by beat, because I think I probably watched it five times that weekend. And um, I love it very much. I tried to show my kids it recently and it, it cemented my love of Ramus and Murray. Ramus is so good in that movie. He's so great in that. Uh, I tried to show it to my kids a couple of years ago and the version that's available on our streaming service has all these extra scenes added to it mm. that destroy the movie for me. Like they're just <laughs> boring. Um, they, they, you know, like I'm, I'm one of those guys that, if you want to show me a movie, uh, like a horror movie, a science fiction movie, a comic book movie, and it's Blu-ray, I will race to the deleted scenes to see what I missed. Uh-huh. But I, one of those guys, if I own a comedy Blu-ray, 
uh, F those deleted scenes because they didn't work. You know, I, I just don't agree that there's something I've missed there. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go one step further. Sure. I would, I would make the argument that yes, there have been films that can be improved by adding, uh, some of the deleted stuff back in, whether it's, you know, it extends the length by 10 minutes or eight minutes or whatever, like a little scene here, a little scene there. I, I could certainly say, oh, that's actually a better version of the film. I think it's, it works better, whatever. But I don't think it works. I don't think it works with comedy. I can understand swapping scenes out or somebody going, look, I hated this thing. The studio made me put it in and then I want to take it out and it's funnier. This is funnier. But, but comedy is so uh, kind of fragile that adding the stuff, it, it, it won't work. It probably won't work because it should be any good comedy should be, you know, down to like a machine. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't remember the movie I watched, but I bought a comedy movie on DVD or Blu-ray, and I looked at all the deleted scenes, and I spent about a half an hour watching them, and I sat there going, yeah, I can see what that was cut. Yep, I get that. You know, and I felt like the, um, I, I felt like an editor. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it's all about flow. I mean, there's there's deleted scenes, comedy stuff that does, they're kind of funny on their own, but you can you, every time I've gone, yep, I can see why that you know, there's, I mean, there's a famous Ghostbusters one of them, um, of Murray and Aykroyd uh, as a couple of bums. The night that, uh, that Ramus is running around getting chased by the terror dog. Um, they shot a scene with the two of them, you know, around a, what do you call it? Uh, garbage bin, you know, dustbin thing with the fire and the flame coming out of it, like keeping warm. Or they're walking or something and they're doing this, hey, you're gonna, you know, Murray's basically doing Carl from, from Caddyshack, kind of. Oh, and yeah. Ac- Ackroyd's doing, like, a real, you know, kind of Brooklyn-type accent, you know. And it just, it's it's cool to see it, but you just go, I'm glad that wasn't in the movie. It just, it would have been. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't help the movie it at does, all. No, it doesn't help the movie. Yeah, uh, I'm... Ramus, uh, is, Ramus is so good in, in Stripes. Oh, he's amazing. I was always surprised that he didn't, that he didn't do more stuff on camera. Like I know he was, he had a big brain and he write, direct, etc. but he was, he's so good in that movie. I a hundred percent agree with you. He's that. such a uh, perfect foil for Murray. Like yeah. when he, he tackles Murray. <laughs> Where are you? Are you going AWOL? No, I'm deserting. Wait a minute. You're not deserting. And they, and he's like, cause you got me into this. And the, the whole scene on the base when Murray's trying to leave, <laughs> like Ramus getting really angry. is so freaking funny. Oh it's my so, God. They're, so they're so perfect together. Yeah. I love that film. And you know, the number one thing I love about Stripes, I was thinking of this today while I was driving. There's no terrible Stripes 2 made for video piece of shit starring, you know, um, Larry the Cable Guy and Tom Starring Psych- and Psycho, the guy who played Psycho. Yeah, yeah. It, there's no, there's just no, it, it's, done you know um it's a wonderful ensemble piece it has great lines quotable lines john candy uh dave thomas is in it like it is really sctv packed joe flaherty shows up in it joe flaherty's hilarious in it yeah and it was uh, as a kid i'm like oh my god this is what what, what's going on i mean it it wasn't for years later till years later that i understood the connection between yeah 
you know, the second, the, the second city and, yeah. and how yeah. everybody knew each other. Also, I, I should say again, I went to an all male military academy for high school. And so when we would go out to march and do our drills and stuff, you know, we had guys teaching us that were, you know, like Vietnam vets and like military lifelong, you know, military guys that would that would teach us in military class and stuff. And we had a, we had a guy that we would call Sergeant Hulka because yeah. he was he kind of had a, 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 a stray eye. He was a little dude. He was like a tunnel rat, I think, uh, in Vietnam or something. And he had this this kind of glass eye or eye would just go off in a different direction. He had no sense of humor at all. And, you know, I could, I was, I was a smart ass. I mean, I got in trouble a lot for being a smart ass. And if you, if you, if your hair was over your ear, you know, uh, they'd take a razor to it, stand up in front of the class and take a razor to it. And you get demerits that you had to work off, you know, if you didn't, you know, shine your, your brass and, you know, your shoes and things like that. And, but we'd go out and do drills and do the, you know, do the scenes from, from stripes when they're, they're, you know, marching and, and doing, uh, do what diddy and stuff like that as much as we could without, without the military guys hearing us. But, um, so it was a big, big joke movie for us in, in high school because of obviously where we're going. Before we dive into Ghostbusters and and the influence of Stripes, I wanted to talk briefly about a movie that Bill Murray did that's not very good, but uh, has made a huge impact on my life, and that's where the Buffalo Room. Yeah, it's it's an odd thing. Who directed that again? Because I looked him up a while ago and went, "Who the fuck? Wait, who directed this? Like, who who directed where the Buffalo Room? Do you remember?" Uh. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, it's one of those names that you just. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like something like George Costanza made up. It is directed by Art like, Linson. You find a name and you go, oh, that, that's who. Oh, I think I know that guy. Maybe he ended up, you know, producing, you know, you know, on Golden Pond or whatever, you know. But this was a name when I looked it up. I went, who who directed this? Art Linson. He did. Art Linson. He only he only directed two films. There you go. Uh, there. But he's the producer of Fight Club. Yes, he's so, a big-time producer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he, only made, he only directed two movies. Yeah. And what's the other movie? Uh, it is called The Wildlife. Isn't that the spinoff of Old Fast Beast. Times? Yeah, it's Chris Penn, and um, it's not – it's Chris Penn because they couldn't get Sean. And yeah. Who, who's the other one? I can't remember, but I just remember I'd seen Chris Penn in two movies. The Wildlife and um At Close Range? No, um uh, uh Reservoir Dogs. And oh, oh what a me. crazy like that wait, what? You know um Chris Chris Penn, yeah. Yeah. He, the wildlife. Found... So he did two movies. So Artland so it was this was basically where the Buffalo Roam was basically Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas before that film finally got made. It was, it wasn't, was the character Hunter S. Thompson? I forget. Or could they, you yeah, know, it's, it's, it's actually, um, it's, it's, it's not a, a, it's an interesting thing. It, it made me want to find out who Hunter S. Thompson was. It made me read his books. Um, but you know, I can come back to it and say it's, a, you know, it's not a great movie. 
Um, it's an interesting. If no one's if no one out there has seen it, you should find it because it's an interesting. Oh, you should watch it. Absolutely. Little footnote. Uh, and Peter Boyle, right? Isn't Peter Boyle? Peter the, Boyle uh, is playing. Yeah, he's playing what would be considered um, a Doctor Gonzo. Yeah, uh, from Fear and Loathing Las Vegas, um, and it romanticizes him a bit, and it's not. I don't know how to put this. It's it's again, it's not a great film, but I will say this: um, Murray's Thompson is superior to Johnny Depp's Thompson. Murray, Murray's Murray's dead on. I love the Gilliam film, by the way. I think. Oh the Gilliam- yeah, I just watched that. I, I turned uh, I turned my daughter on to Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> she, I made her read Fear and Loathing. Honestly, well, I didn't make it's, her. The Gilliam like, movie is is out of its mind and it does yeah. it in just the right way. And the, and the, I don't think Depp is wonderful in it. Depp is mean, wonderful in it, but he is got, Johnny Depp still, as, still, as Hunter S. Thompson. He's got Benicio to bounce off of because Benicio is so terrifying in that movie. He just yeah. seems like twice as big as he is, you know, height wise and everything. But when you see where the Buffalo Rome, you're like, yeah, Murray really nails it. I mean, he really it, nails it. It's that whole, um, it's that whole, first of all, Thompson's a bigger guy. And, um, it's that whole, uh, uh, cadence. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. It's well, that what, cadence. Yeah. The way you're talking, talking like this. You have the cigarette holder in the end of his mouth. Yeah, he oh. nails that yeah. performance. Yeah. Um, really good in that. And yeah. also, it's also one of the few, really one of the few character things he's done. Because yeah, you know, he's played lots of different characters in different, different in different projects. He's 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 doing a variation on a theme kind of. But like when you look at Carl from Caddyshack and where the Buffalo Room, those might be the only two kind of. I mean, maybe the guy in the in the dentist chair and. In uh, Little Shop of Horrors, but it's really one of the few character pieces he's done as like a, you know playing a, a larger than life kind of character. Mm-hmm. You know, agreed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, um, completely not the best film that, uh, and not even a really good Hunter S. Thompson film. But Murray's performance in that is fantastic. And, yeah, and, and one right. of. Um, yeah, I, I think he's the superior Hunter S. Thompson. That's weird to say that, but um, no, he's really he's. It's kind of uncanny how how much mm. he the the movements and kind of you know Depp is a little bigger and a little more cartoonish kind of. Yeah, and, but and, and just by his very you know his very nature, he can't um, take over that persona because, like right. I said, Thompson was a bigger guy, and he right. you know, but and Depp does a great job. <clears throat> but um, great, Gilliam one's great. Um, oh yeah, no, I just I just saw that a month ago. Did uh, you ever see the Razor's Edge by chance? I have never seen the Razor's Edge. I remember going to see Ghostbusters, and and Ghostbusters was huge for me because it was the teaming up again of Ramus and and Murray, you know, two icons of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a Razor's Edge advertisement in front of the film, and I remember thinking, like, yeah, I, I don't care about Bill Murray being serious. Um, I think, wasn't that one of the, 
I think that was the stipulation to get him. It absolutely for, was the stipulation for, for him Columbia to for do Columbia it. get him. Yeah, and, and I think he'd also been. In, we we shouldn't we can gloss over it, but he was also a supporting role in Tootsie, which probably oh, bought oh, him a lot of gravitas. He was got, the roommate. No, we got to talk about Tootsie. We got to talk. about Do we? Because, yes, because because the brilliance that he's not. He's not in the credits. Like, he's not in the opening credits. Oh, is he not? I don't think he... No, I don't think he's credited in that film. And it wasn't... I don't think anybody really knew until that movie kind of hit that Murray was in it. I knew he was in it because he's in the Mad Magazine parody. And I don't want to tell you how many times that's been helpful to me. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, I, I guarantee I saw the film before the Mad Magazine parody. Because the Mad Magazine parodies always came out a couple months later. And yeah. that tells you how little there was to see back then that I was going to see. But I mean, it was, you know, everybody kind of saw this, this movie, but I'm glad you brought it up because it's, it's one of the things that gets forgotten. I think it doesn't get mentioned in his, uh, I mean, God, he, you know, meatballs, stripes, sorry, meatballs, ca- uh, Caddyshack, stripes, Tootsie, Ghostbusters in the span of five years. And all of these were, were big. I mean, Meatballs was a big hit film because it was a tiny budget. So it was a, you know, really. And Caddyshack, I think, was considered a hit, kind of. It wasn't Animal House. But Caddyshack it, was a hit. Yeah. Yeah, a hit. Tootsie was huge. Stripes was huge. Tootsie was huge. Academy Award nominations up the yin-yang. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Murray's great in it. He's, he's, he's just, he's Murray, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's credited in that film. I don't think he's in in the opening credits or in the credits, I don't think. So I don't even know how that happened, but I'm kind of fascinated by that. But he's, yeah, he just was, he was ubiquitous at that point for me. He just, he'd been in my life for, you know, six, seven years old till whatever. And now when Ghostbusters hit, you're like, oh my God, is there nothing this man can't do? And Ghostbusters was, you know, massive. It was a big hit. Um, Massive. I got to be honest with you. I loved it when it came out. But I don't, I'm just not old. Like, I was in the eighth grade when that came out. Yeah. And I loved it. And it it, it was just okay after, you know, <laughs> like, uh, this cart, then the cartoon came out when I was in high school. And I was like, yeah, this is pretty decent. And then a terrible sequel came out in the late 80s that I've never seen all the way through. Oh, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there, first of all. I'm, no, no. If you're going to, we're going to fight. We're going <laughs> to, I'm going to get, let me get in the car. Hang on a second. Okay. All right, we can keep talking. Um, I love Ghostbusters. It's one of my favorite movies. It's one of the best comedies ever written. I don't disagree with you. No, no. It, 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 you can, it's You fantastic. cannot be as fond, but it is a, as a machine of comedy, as no, a the machine totally gun, the jokes kind of go in a script, and how smooth that thing is. It, it's the best thing Ackroyd's ever done. Uh, Agreed. All, it's, Except it's you know, for nothing but trouble. But it still it still holds up. the The dickless joke is still the loudest I've ever heard an audience laugh in my life at a joke that was so that took the breath away from, from everybody in the, in the room, basically. And, um, I never saw the cartoon. I never bothered with the cartoon. I yeah, it's a decent cartoon. It, but it just, for me, it was like, eh, it's, it's not Ghostbusters. It's, 
It's something else, and I know there's a whole history of it and a whole story behind whatever, but I think the animation – I always thought the animation looked bad, and I just never – it was never my thing. It, was, it became for little kids. By the time the next movie came out, I remember a couple kids in the theater screaming for Slimer because they knew Slimer because of the cartoon and shit. And I, I do not understand why the second film has such negativity about it. The, 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 only, the only problem with the second film is, A, the third act, and, B, the fact that it's up against – the the most you know popular comedy that had ever come out at that point and there was there was no way to to top the original film but i mean on its own and i'm sure people can you know fight me on this on online or you know in the in the comments or whatever but um i just rewatched it a couple of weeks ago actually it's 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 not the first film but it's funny there's great stuff in it but just for me it's like to see these three guys on screen again doing stuff it's like you've only got so much footage of these guys and, you know, and the, the chemistry with with Sigourney Weaver works and everything. The third act and Peter McNichols freaking hilarious. in it. Um, and the third act, it just kind of falls apart because they're trying to duplicate what they did at the end of the first one. I think it's over the years, it's really been ridiculous how much that that movie's been maligned as if it's as if it is nothing but trouble, which is a steaming pile of dog shit amazement uh, i do, Actually, I, do you know people that i think don't that's know the greatest absurdist I, movie ever i don't know why it gets such negativity because there's it, it's just it's not even it's not even bad it's just not ghostbusters is brilliant ghostbusters 2 is good but it's not a bad film it, i don't know why yeah. there's such there's such animosity. maybe for me it was the fact that like in like a you know, I was exiting high school when it came out, and my girlfriend at the time had seen it with a bunch of work friends. And I remember going, eh, I, get, I don't know who to go see that with, and I just didn't see it. And then, you know, I saw it, like, on HBO, um, partially, and just, yeah, I, I've never, I've never, it's also the fact, for me anyways, that I liked the first film a lot. And um, I didn't need a sequel. You know, I thought it was great. And uh, but it's it's I mean, the argument I always make is I didn't need it. You know, I didn't need a, a sequel to Blade Runner. I didn't need a another, you know, whatever. It's 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 not something that I seek out or, you know, really I'm rooting for. But then if it happens, I just hope that it's yeah. that it in a way that I kind of, you know, I hope it does. I mean, after the first film. I think we were all conditioned at that point as kids or eighth grade, whatever it was, to think when something is big and it works, there's going to be another one. I think everybody that, when, especially when it hits home video and everybody's going nuts for it again, and blah, 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 everyone just kind of assumes there's going to be another one. You knew that the second one was going to be inevitable. It was going to happen. Um, and, yeah, it's the, it's the age thing, too, at different times for different different personal experiences of how things are, are viewed or seen or what have you. I, I get all that. Um, but it's, again, it's like, it's, there's nothing Murray's doing in it that isn't, that's, that's radically different than what he did in the first film. And if you like what he did in the first film, it's still Murray playing Venkman. And the thing is, as the years have gone on, you don't get, you don't get, it's, it's one of the last pure, pure Murray performances because as wonderful as he is, and I think the, the probably the best, the best acting he's ever done is Rushmore and Rushmore should have, he should have won the, every award under the sun for that because he's so 
sublime in that in that movie. But he's not doing the the smart ass Murray that we knew from SNL and Meatballs and Caddy, you know, Stripes and et cetera, et cetera. So it's you know, it's the last kind of vestige of that. And I cherish it for that alone, that it's because everything he started to do was was more you know, took some sort of different turns. I mean, although he did, he did give it. See, I we oh we missed Scrooge. Tell me you like Scrooge. I love Scrooge. Um, oh my god! I saw it in the theater. I uh, still watch it every year. Uh, you know, it has a lot to do with Murray's performance in it. I love um, Karen Allen very much, and oh, oh my god, Karen Allen! Karen Allen, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's still pause cute. And think about Karen Allen for a minute. Uh, and and David Johansson and David Johansson and and uh, Carol Carol Kane. Carol Kane. Carol Kane. Yeah. It's, uh, and I I'll, I've often referred to people as um, John Glover's character in Scrooge. You know, people who want to talk to uh, <laughs> me or us about getting on the podcast. Uh, like, oh, this guy's giving me that. You know that guy in Scrooge? Yeah. Don yeah. Glover vibes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, what is that? What, 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 my lacrosse coach said, there is no I in T-E-A-M. That's such a great line. My lacrosse coach yeah. <laughs> said, you not only lecture, you're not only condescending me, you're letting me know you played lacrosse. You do It's also that. my favorite film starring Jamie Farr. And uh, That's it. That's really? That's a tight race. I mean. I know. I know there's so many. Really? Um, you know, you Cannonball for, Run and have you done the runs. Scene no. missing. Come on, it, I I always do that. I quote, and this is when you can tell if you're on a set or you're doing working on a show that the people around you <laughs> are getting younger or whatever it is, is. Is if there's noise and like we're trying to get something and there's like oh here comes the tractor. Oh hang on, we're gonna guys guys we're doing something over here. You know, come on guys, we got to get this. Can you? You get on. Someone gets on the walk, and like, can you tell them to stop what they're doing across the field so we can get this? I'll do the whole. Could you hold? Goddamn hammering, please. And then it'll just get. Could you hold the goddamn hammering? That whole the whole bit when he's on, he just he's so good in that. And again, that's yeah. that's Murray not really doing Murray. He kind of is, but he's doing a a, a major asshole. But he's doing it so good. Yeah, you know, he's like taking the. The, the the prickliest bits of his Murray stuff and making this this asshole guy, but that's a great movie. And I remember the, I remember when it came out, it did well, but it didn't get a lot of great reviews. It seemed like they were kind of eh, it's okay, but it's, it's eh. uh, and at the end the, the whole thing and because I think the, the end was all improvised. I think I think Murray's most of his speech to the camera is like improvised or something. But over the years, it's become like a a perennial. It's, yeah, it's, look, then that, that, that's problematic. If you make a film that involves Christmas, apparently it will eventually become a classic. Um, and I would like to cite Exhibit A, Jingle All the Way. Um, one I'd of like, the worst films I've ever had to sit through next like, to my giant on a plane. Exhibit B, Die Hard. That's not a Christmas movie. Oh, I'm no. kidding. I don't know. I yeah. don't even know. I don't even know where that came from. It's a good movie, but, um, but, um, but yeah, but it, it's become this, you know, but, but although I haven't really heard much about it the last five or six years or so, it's, it's started to pop up 
every Christmas it would be run somewhere. Well, I love Scrooge. I, I, I love Scrooge. Yeah, and um, I've never seen Quick Change. Oh, my is, God. Oh, my yeah. God. You haven't seen Quick Change? No. Uh, oh. I know what it is. You got I, it. Very underrated comedy. It's it's yeah. It's uh, got like Randy Quaid and, and uh, Gina Davis in it. I knew that. I remember the ads. Jason Robards, Phil Hartman shows up in it. Oh. Uh, a few other faces you'd recognize, but it's a great movie. It's a great heist movie because it's kind of brilliant how it happens. I think it was a remake of a French film, and he he co-directed it with somebody. Um, but it's it's a it's a kind of forgotten little gem of a comedy. It's really, and he's great in it. He's, uh, I guess, yeah, that he is very murky. That he is kind of, yeah. he is kind but of. Thing. The, the poster it's, is so nineteen ninety. It hurts a little bit. Um, yeah, you got it. You got it when when you wait. Is the poster with him, is he? Is it? It's them? just. It's it's them and there's all these oversized props and the fonts and everything and the color. Yeah, the the it's just, when it came out was him dressed as a clown holding. Oh yeah, the, I remember that one too. Yeah, that says more about the tone of the film than the one that you're probably looking at right now because yeah. it's, he's dressed as a clown the first you know 30 minutes of the movie basically. Um, but that's a great if anybody if anybody out there hasn't seen that I uh, I recommend it. I haven't seen and it in it, years. Good movie. It, uh, I've always enjoyed. I remember I haven't seen it since it was in the theater, but I enjoyed it very much, which was a, what about Bob? Um, yeah, great, 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 you know, a great look at therapy. <laughs> and um, I, I've always thought it was a really clever film. That was a Frank Oz movie. And yeah. just, you know, a comedy they wouldn't make these days. No, um, it- couldn't make it these days. Where it's, it was, you know, about a therapist being uh, pursued by his biggest fan, and you find that the therapist is actually, you know, uh, an asshole and uh, an uptight asshole. I think he, I think if it isn't, if I'm not mistaken, Richard Dreyfus uses like puppets to talk to his children. <laughs> like he's a real fucking nut. And, um, uh, Julie Haggerty is the, is is his wife and oh, um, Julie Haggerty. Little, little Charlie Corsmo from Dick Tracy is Dick the, Tracy and uh, Hook. Yeah, that kid uh, retired, right? Isn't that the didn't I that kid re- retire? I think he re- he disappeared, but then he showed he showed up again in different mo- in different movies. He was everywhere for a yeah, while. Yeah. He was wonderful. He was so good in everything he did. He had this goofy kind of kind of vibe, but um supposedly because and they've asked Frank Oz about it since they're like, did so we heard that uh, Dreyfus and Murray didn't get along, and then Frank Oz is like, oh shit, no, 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 not not at all. Like like two polar opposites in the way they worked. Oh Dreyfus, yeah, Dreyfus was showing up as kind of slightly methody and you know stick to the script, etc. And Murray's just in his own world, and he started to drive Dreyfus crazy. Oh, the- so that's that's what you see on screen is. Is real. That's my. That's, that's kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah was, was that ninety or ninety one? That movie. Ninety one, and then Murray disappeared for a couple of years, and then he came out with a film I remember very well because, um, what well, I think it's the last collaboration of him and uh, and Harold Ramis, and it's also 
the beginning where he, you know, and I'm assuming this connection, I was a huge fan of Chris Elliott at the time. So mm-hmm. Groundhog Day had Chris Elliott in it. And of course, Chris Elliott, um, worked with, uh, Murray's brother Brian on Get a Life. Yeah. And in, uh, The Cabin Boy, a, a film I own on Blu-ray. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I love Groundhog Day. And weirdly enough, that year, and this is just like anecdotal for me, I went to a Groundhog Day celebration in 1993, around that huh. time. Um, that's uh, my wife and I, I think it was our first trip away when we were dating. We huh. went to uh, Wyerton, Ontario's Groundhog Day. Huh. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, you know, it was what it was. But I think that's kind of funny that I'd never heard of a Groundhog Day until I went there. I saw, I actually saw that in the Twin Cities at a preview screening. And I think it was maybe two weeks before the movie came out. And it might have been on the U of M campus or something. Oh, yeah. And um, just the, the crowd was just like, I mean. Let's go that's that's when you remember you know going to a comedy with like a, a full house when 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 people would go see movies and you you know sometimes you couldn't hear the next line because the laugh was yes yeah. and I remember he's got a line where he he's lay, he's laying down with with Andy McDowell and he said he's just it's it's just it doesn't even belong in the script it just came out of nowhere but I but I started laughing and my girlfriend at the time was kept nudging me like stop and I was with this other guy and we both just could not stop laughing and he says. You know, she's falling asleep kind of on his shoulder in in the in his hotel room or something. And he says, you know, <laughs> he says something like, go ahead. You can fall asleep. If you fall asleep, I won't touch you much. And he, he leaves that little pause and then he says much. And it's just this dumb, like an eight-year-old, a dumb joke that an eight-year-old would make, like to get a giggle from somebody. And the two of us could not stop laughing. Yeah. And... And my girlfriend was nudging because then at this point that we almost had to leave the theater, but it was just something so silly about what he said, the way he said it. It just it killed us. But that was a big movie, too. And it's funny that 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 has become uh, not maybe not a, you know, traditional or yearly type thing, even though I'm sure they play it on Groundhog Day somewhere. I'm a little tired of seeing all the various remakes of it. Well, but that's that's isn't it interesting that 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 now it's, it's, it's gone into the vernacular where anytime someone's like, Oh, I hate my job. It's just been this nightmare. It's like fucking groundhog day coming in here. It, it's referencing this movie. It's become like a, you know, a, what do you call that? Was it an adverb adjective? What's it called? Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It, it's entered the, the nomenclature, the nomenclature. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Nomenclature. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. That's one to grow on. So and then, then what, what happened after that? Was it the man who knew too little? No, you don't, no, we will get there. Um, Mad Dog and Glory, a film I've also never seen, but I, I believe that's a role reversal film, kind of like Neighbors, where um, he's he's the tough guy and De Niro's the quirky guy. It's a weird, uh, it's a weird movie. It's again, it's worth seeing, but it's a misfire because it's so dark and weird. Murray, yeah. Murray's like a mob guy. De Niro's a, a police photographer. He's like the the lamest cop on the you know in in the office kind of, and he inadvertently like saves Murray's life one night, and Murray is like indebted to him. Come on, come. And Murray wants to be Murray's character wants to be a stand up, 
he's a mob guy, but he wants to be. And the whole thing just seems like kind of a piss take on how these things go. But then it gets weird because he sends De Niro Uma Thurman as like a thank you present kind of thing. Like, you know, but, you know, she can, you know, do errands for you or clean your house or whatever. And, it, and then it gets, you know, weird. It's just a strange, it's a strange, yeah. and they have like a fist fight in it toward the end. It's, it's, and I think it was done by, uh, the guy who did, um, who's the guy who, do you remember the movie Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer? Yeah, vaguely. The guy who directed that, I think this was his next movie, was. Weird. That, yeah, and it just, it just, I saw it. In oh the my movie. god, yeah, this dude directed The Borrower, too, which is a really weird movie. The which one? Which one? The Borrower. The what? The what? Borrower. I, I'm, I'm probably screwing this up. It's it's a weird movie about, um, I think it's like an alien where it just keeps, like, ripping off people's heads and taking oh, them. Oh, the, bar, the Borrower. Oh, yeah, I think I've seen that. It's I a, think that. Yeah, weird. sorry, I thought you said The Boer War. I'm like, oh. yeah, the Boer War, which, uh, yeah, it starts some of my wife's relatives. <laughs> Boer War. Um, um, so there, but he did another one that year, didn't he? Isn't yeah, he did. He did Wild Things. And, uh, yeah, I, I really, I didn't realize his name is James McNaughton, and I didn't realize his, his, his oh. career was, um, or are you talking about Murray? I think you're talking no, about Murray. No, I was Murray. talking, I was talking about Murray, but Murray shows up in, um, Maurice shows up in, is it, is it the, there was like a Shakespearean thing I think he did, or there was a, there was, there was, there was, he he started showing up in more supporting things, right? Yeah, like he's in Ed Wood, um, as Bunny Breckenridge, and he's just, you know, he steals the show. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite comedic parts he's ever done is Kingpin. Um, yes. Kingpin, for me, because he's playing such an asshole and everyone loves him. And it, it's, you know, Farrelly Brothers movies can be hit or miss. But every time Murray's on screen, he's such garbage. He's such hot garbage. To <laughs> yeah. And everyone just adores him. And yeah, I, I won't repeat some of the lines because they're filthy. But like, He's an asshole through the whole film, and everyone just laps it up. And you can just tell how much fun he's having yeah. on that set. Yeah. And it's just infectious, and I, I love it. Uh, but then he kind of goes through this period where, he, you know, he goes from there, and then he just makes steaming turd after steaming turd, like the late 90s are really weird for him. Like, he makes this stupid elephant movie, and then he's in Space Jam, and then we get to The Man Who Knew Too Little. Man Who Knew Too Little is a great comedy. Is it? Yeah. I have, it, it's got, like, not good Rotten Tomatoes. Um, okay, so if, if we were going to go by Rotten Tomatoes, I don't know how... Okay. Boy, I've never seen it. It, it just—it's just no saying, to it, me. It's, it's, it is the the elephant one. I've seen everything he's ever done, and yes, huh. there's there's bad stuff. Space Jam is awful. I didn't see it for him. You've seen both Garfield films. I have seen both Garfield films. Yes, believe oh, it or I gotta, not, I gotta go. Uh, so so the elephant thing, I don't even remember other than it's one of the earliest 
like McConaughey things, like after Dazed and Confused, he he. You remember that time when he started getting on the cover of every magazine? Like here here comes you know a Time to Kill or whatever. Like he's the, he's the next it person. This was like the that was like the last supporting thing he did before he blew up in in this elephant movie. That's the only thing I remember about the elephant movie. But Men Knew Too Little is a fun little comedy. And it's the you know, it's the um what do you call? Um you know, the, the, he he thinks he's showing up to a uh pretend you know, pretend murder investigation, playing a character. His brother gets him this gift, you know, one night to get him out, of, get him away from because he, he shows up uh, unannounced. And then real, <laughs> real espionage is taking place. He thinks it's a game the whole time. So it's oh, one of those like, yeah, and it, it's just silly and and actually quite good. It's 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 funny. It's a, it's a funny little movie, but it, nobody saw it. But Murray's great in it. I have a feeling that the post-Austin Powers world, combined with anyone who saw Master of Disguise, probably ruined that film. And then you got like Johnny English and all that stuff. So Master of Disguise, uh, good gravy. I forgot about best that. film ever made. I forgot about that movie. That was now, who Dana? He didn't direct. It was Dana Carvey. It was all Dana Carvey. Man. That was yeah. yeah, but again, there's a guy. You go. What do we do with this guy? He all he does is characters. All he does is, you know, he's never really himself. So what? What do you? What do you put him in? Well, let's yeah. make do a bunch of disguises. And it's like, oh boy, you put him in a terribly written film. Yeah. Uh, uh, what came after Man Who Knew Too Little? Uh, Wild Things. He was in Wild Things. Which okay, so this is when he starts guy. to just go up and. Right. Like, yeah. And well, no, not really, because um, he did Rushmore in 98 as well. And Rushmore is considered, you know, absolutely one of his. I think that was a turning point for him, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. You know? I would totally agree with that. It, it, yeah. I mean, it's it, it all of a sudden now. Bill Murray's changed uh, forever by Rushmore. Um it's and, funny, and I, li- I like the film, but everybody because it was around the same time that he did Broken Flowers it was like a year later or something, maybe uh, or Lost in Translation. Everybody talks about Broken Flowers and Lost in Translation as this, you know, you know, that's when he started to get the acclaim. But I think Rushmore is like I don't think he's ever bettered Rushmore. He's he's just that character so perfect for him. He's very uh, vulnerable. And uh, yeah. And he's a kid, you know, he's. I remember where I worked at the time, just being in love with this movie and this young uh, lady that I worked near that we may or may not have gotten to know each other better as time went on. But um, well, you I, can't be a tease. I, I took her to see the, the movie and I tried explaining it to her like, well, we'll just go tomorrow. Come on, I'll be fine. T- trust me, it's got some good. And she laughed a little bit. But I remember kind of pitching it to her, or maybe it was afterwards. And she said, I just don't get it. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I mean, it's like a love triangle or something. It was like two grown people and a kid. You know, like, you know, that doesn't make any sense. And, you know, of course I go, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's why it's so absurd and it's so funny. It's just, it's just the heightened ridiculousness of, you know, Murray's as much of a child as, as the kid is. Mm-hmm. You know, and 
we didn't we didn't hang out much after that. But I get it. Yeah. But I had like, a friend who called me after Starship Troopers once and said, I don't get it. They should have just nuke that planet with the bugs. It's like you really didn't get it. Like at Wow. All. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you you don't see subtext or <laughs> so you're like why are we so, friends? So you so for you the money the movie would have been better if it was you know like ninety minutes shorter. Yeah, the, just, just shoot, just blow up those bugs, and it's like yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I have another friend who's like, did you notice that like that one room is just clearly the Reichstag, and it's like yeah, this is why we hang out. Wow. Um, wow. That is. Well, you know what? At least he noticed, I guess. I'll give him that. He no, noticed. that was one friend of mine. But the, I'm just talking about like a dichotomy of friends that I had. Yeah. That one friend. No, it's, I yeah. don't know why they would just nuke that bug planet. And it's like because. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I, you know, and I wanted to get out Richard Dreyfus's puppets. But um, <laughs> I, I, I'm struggling to see some of these films because I think that this period Bill Murray was kind of doing stuff like I've never heard of Cradle or Rock he was in Hamlet um, oh, the one yeah he I told you there was a Shakespeare one somebody did a like a modern I want to say Ethan Hawke was in it maybe it was like a modern retelling of uh, oh you're right it Ethan Hawke and Kyle MacLachlan and oh yeah. my god Shepard and, and who, who, directed, oh. who directed it uh Michael Almerida. Yeah, I think I, I saw it, but what a great uh, cast: Casey Affleck, Tim Blake Nelson, Jeffrey yeah, Wright. I mean, they, wow, they, Paul Bartel. They made a, they kept the text, and just made a modern telling, uh, you know, with airplanes and big business and whatever. And it was, you know, that was the that was the sort of the, the quote draw of it. Cradle will rock. He's He's not in much, but that was the, that's an ensemble thing too about you know Orson Welles um, trying to put this this uh, this play on at a certain time with the Mercury Theater and oh it's, yeah uh, it's a Tim Tim Robbins, Tim Robbins I think uh, wrote and directed it but it's got John Turturro and Sarandon and Murray yeah. and a ton of people in it it's a, it's a good movie it's a, a Reuben Blades is in it but it's you know it's not a fun movie it's just a <laughs> It's good, but I mean, he wasn't. Yeah, he was showing up in things where he wasn't the the main draw, and he was he clearly was like, I don't need to work, you know. I just want to work yeah. with whoever. And here comes the paycheck, uh, Charlie's Angels. Charlie's um, Angels. Mick classic Charlie's Angels, which, which I can't believe it's twenty one years ago. Um, was was huge. It's a terrible film, but it was huge, and you'd think talk about a paycheck you'd be like well yeah he's going to be in the number two of course he's going to be in the second one my god it's like but he walked away he's like well oh. yeah because him and uh him and uh lucy Liu had some conflict and to be honest with you who cares um it was he replaced by bernie mac yeah 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 for no, a, a forgettable sequel it's a paycheck. Uh, that's that's what i've always admired about him is that he can just go yeah, yeah. i didn't i don't need to and then he did Osmosis Jones, which I forgot was a thing. Oh, uh, I about that. That's, that's terrible. That's a Farrelly thing. Isn't that Farrelly's? Isn't that the Farrelly's? Osmosis Jones? I have no idea. Oh, it's they, this cartoon. I think they directed... Oh, yeah, it was a Farrelly Brothers cartoon. Oh, my God, I don't yeah, remember. They directed this. the live... It's He's in the live-action stuff, 
and then you go inside the body where this war is taking place. I don't care. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, what it is, it's fairly, he hooked up with the Farrelly's again to yeah. be in the, so he's he's in about 20 minutes total of the film, basically. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So it's, it, he enjoys working with those dudes. Yeah. Um, and then, I'm uh, just going through this, sorry. He's, he's got so many. Um, of course, Royal Tenenbaums, which would be a reuniting with him and uh, uh, the director of. Um, yeah, Wes Anderson. Uh, Wes Anderson, yeah, Ernie Anderson's kid. And. Uh, on, he's been in every. Yeah. Every Wes Anderson flick. Lost in Translation was another turning point for him. That's Sofia Coppola. Yeah. And uh, Scarlett Joe. Scar Joe. Um, I love Scar Joe. And uh, I haven't seen that in a long time. He's in he's in Coffee and Cigarettes. Um, Jim he's Jeremy. great in Coffee and Cigarettes. Yeah, that's another thing. I can't believe that's 18 years ago. Um, Garfield, the best thing he's ever done. Uh, Very close. <laughs> I think it's always ironic that he did Garfield, but the guy who voiced Garfield, or Lorenzo Music, voiced Bill Murray, in the original Ghostbusters cartoon, until they replaced him with Dave Coulier. I know way too much about that cartoon. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, a film I've always wanted to see and never have. Um, I think you would really dig that movie. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where we just never intersected. Um, the great. He's terrific in that. As uh, is he as good as he is in Garfield, The Tale of Two Kitties? <laughs> well, since he's not on camera, I'd say yeah. he's Life Aquatic than he is in Garfield movies. And then um, the thing I wanted oh, to bring just, up. Can I say, yes, he did the Garfield films. He got a big fat paycheck and a ton of money for it. I bet all he, he did. Was, all he had to do was sit in a room and talk into a microphone. And in you know, uh, like I say, a 45-year career, I'm not hearing a lot of, like, huge missteps or bloated, you know, blockbusters. Well, we know thing. now that, um, well, actually, no, I have a problem with it because I want to know why a cat who doesn't have a job hates Mondays. Well, that you need to talk to Jim Davis about. Oh, my God. Jim Davis isn't real. He's a, he's a corporation. I don't, see how that's, I don't see how Murray can answer that, but Jim Davis might might give you some insight. I think Jim Davis exists. Uh, and then I wanted to talk a bit about, I, I saw this recently, Zombieland. And uh, I don't like Zombieland very much. Uh, but the one thing that really bothers me about it is, and th this is just something I, I feel for the fans, I don't care if we ever get another Ghostbusters movie. I was going to say, I hope I hoped you were going to say the magic words. The one thing I really can't stand about it is Jesse Eisenberg. See, that's that is that is always I can't bear Jesse Eisenberg. I but, cannot. Fuck although I have seen man. a couple movies that I, I like him in, but this isn't his, one of them. His stick, his stick was okay in like Roger Dodger and you know the Squid and the Whale and but then the same thing over and over. I can make up movie over. names too. Uh, <laughs> Did you ever see Roger Dodger, the one with him? No, no. I, I just I oh. have you seen um, Red Candle? <laughs> yeah, it's a Tartowski film, I think. Club soda can. But he, can, he just, uh, he, he's, 
I'm not naming that, things. That's what put that's what put me off even seeing Zombieland was the fact that oh. this I again. Oh no, but, I can't bear him. But, but I, I will I, say, I will say as a movie, yeah, uh, I thought it was fine. Yeah, and eventually saw the second one because we were in the middle of a pandemic, and eventually it showed up, and I think I rented it for five bucks, and it was fine. But I'm not a fan of those um, those films. I think they're they're fine yeah. for what they are, but it's not yeah. my bag. And then um, the uh, I'm just going through some stuff. I know he had a television series with his brothers where he played golf on Comedy Central at one point, and that always felt like the biggest middle finger to the world. And I I appreciated that about him. It's like he somehow sold. It'd be like you know if you and I um, could go bowling and be on TV or you know just something st- stupid. Uh, yeah, I, I just. Felt like he was, he was, it just felt to me that he was just trying to help his brothers because, like, they, yeah, that would, it just wouldn't have. Well, happened. I don't think Brian Dolan Murray needs any help. There's always a need for a Brian Dolan Murray in everything. Yeah, but I mean, John Murray, if you've ever seen Moving Violations, does not have his own essence. He is just imitating his brother. Yeah. Um, the other Murray, too, the one that, you know, was Mad Men, who's great in Mad Men, but. But, you know, it's the kind of thing that, like, if the Murray brothers came without Bill to make this show, it w- probably wouldn't have happened. Murray, well, I, I, I'm a huge fan of, of Brian Doyle Murray because he has his own flavor. But he's he's never going to be the most popular Murray brother. No, the kids the kids that watch Comedy Central were not going to tune in for Brian Doyle Mur- Murray playing golf with his two brothers. No, absolutely. I know what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. But uh, I, I totally forgot about that. I think he's got a lot. I think he's. I think they have a line of golf wear too. I think the yeah. Murray have like a line of <laughs> golf or the, somebody does or like the Murray brothers or Murray something. Um, they have a line that they lend their name to or something. I'm not a golfer. So I don't um, know. My wife's a golfer. I'm Jerry Lewis on a golf course. So that's not happening except I'm, I'm, I'm funny. Uh, oh, <laughs> 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 one of one of my favorite bits he did in later life is he is in the finale of part or one of the he's he plays Walter Gunderson the mayor on Parks and Rec and he basically plays a corpse in the episode and it's it's funny as hell um, yeah. yeah and he of course is in the greatest film ever made something I've never sat through which is the 2016 Ghostbusters which I think enraged. A lot of people who wanted a Ghostbusters sequel, and um, he kind of dragged his heels, and then you know we got the amazing. Tw- I have, I don't care. Uh, this well, is, this- you, you opened this. You opened the can of worms. Oh I, no! I, I want to hear. No, what no. You I mean, I've say. seen it. I've seen it. Okay. And when it got when it sure got announced, when it got announced, you know. Of course, there was a there is the problem with with everything now is when there is a a vocal minority or a vocal bunch of, you know, idiots or whatever it is that are spewing whatever they're spewing in whatever corner of the universe, then anytime anyone sides with said point of view, then they they must they they, or or or, you know is in the realm of the of the point of view then of course they must side with everything those people are saying the the thing about the 2016 film is it's just not a good movie it's not fun not good it's not it's it's ill thought out 
every which way. You don't know what the point of it is. Um, and yes, there were a lot of people waiting and hoping that maybe one day they would get another film. I don't think that's that's that un, unusual. And so, you know, there's a, in fact, the Blu-ray that I had of Ghostbusters 2 has got an interview with Aykroyd and Reitman. And it's after Ramis died. So Ramis died in 2014, I think, maybe. And the guy, you know, at the end of the thing is asking, well, is there going to be, and I think we finally got it worked out. I think we're going to, you know, Aykroyd was trying to do it for years and years and Murray was dragging his heels and so on and so forth. And they're talking about it. Reitman and Aykroyd like, yeah, we're very close. I think it's going to happen. And then I don't know the full story of how that went away. And suddenly this, this other thing came to be. So yeah, you've got a bunch of people that are, that are ugly human beings in their core that are screaming about all the wrong things about this film. Um, but there's, there's plenty of people that just go, well, if you had something lined up that was going to happen, why would you take this turn and do this? And now, of course, it's going to be this footnote that no one's going to pay attention to because it just was ill-conceived and, and poorly thought out. And, and now, you, you know, you get you know, it, it, before it even hit the theater, I think they were talking about this other one. So I don't know what all the ins and outs were, the politics of how that happened, but it's very strange that all the principles were ready to go and then it becomes something else altogether. Yeah, um, I, have, I have no idea, and I don't have a dog in this race, but um, the thing I remember very much about it, though, was that, you know, my wife was all for it. Uh, she liked the, the the ladies in the film. She liked uh, the the previous film they made, which was Bridesmaids, and then you know she watched it and she said, "Oh no, it's it's just terrible. It's it's yeah. not a it's not a funny movie." And um, you know, I just took it from that because I didn't want to sit through it. I don't care all that much. And no, I, uh, but see, this is where this is where we differ because I have this sick uh, need that I don't want to have to sit through this shit either. Like, I don't want to have to see <laughs> there are certain shows that show up and I go, well, fuck, I'm going to have to watch three episodes of this because someone's going to be talking about it. And if I give an opinion without having seen some of it. So so I have this little voice in the back of my head that always goes, OK, just just, you know, do. It. And again, I've never gone like public with how I felt about it with anybody, but I have to go, OK, fine. I'm, you know, because I'm not vehemently against, a, you know, like you, we were talking about the Eternals before this. Like, yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing against the Eternals. There's nothing about it that seems remotely interesting to me in anything that I've seen. And I will see it. I'm never I'm not going to say I'll never watch that. Oh, yeah, I'll pop it on someday. But I will see it at some point. And I think that that's what happened with the 2016 one. I think I eventually saw it. I think it, I think I might have seen it just on HBO or something whenever it whenever it premiered. But I, you know, I I sit through things so other people don't have to, and I can go, yeah, it is pretty. <laughs> you're, you're a, but you're you know, but it, it, but it is you know on uh, you know when you you know like you say the talent involved, the people. Feig is a great guy, and he's made some great stuff. And oh like, yeah, and if you if you, you actually know, watch uh, Bridesmaids, you can't say it's not a funny film. It's a very uh, funny very funny movie. And but, you, go, you know, yeah. I think I think the Red Letter Media guys, your favorites there, did point out that why didn't they hire a screenwriter from that? 
Like they brought all the talent but one, and that seemed to make the difference is that it's not a good script. It's it's that, but it's also then the other layer to it too is you go, um, why are you trying to reinvent the wheel? I mean, why not? How about another vehicle for these talented people to to have a franchise with or do something with? Because again. You pitch this in a room or you just sort of, I mean, again, unless this, the script comes in, you go, oh, my God, this is the best script ever. This is the best thing since, you know, the, the producers in 1968 or whatever, like the funniest damn thing I ever read. You, you have to be thinking there's a very good chance this isn't going to work. There's a very good chance this is not going to be a $200 million smash. You know, the, the failure of it wants to be hung around the necks of these n- n- neckbeard idiots on on social media <laughs> my, my son uses that term too neckbeards it's it's accurate and and of course they're out there they're there um let them they can have that corner of the world i want nothing to do with it but it's it's both things can be true that these people are idiots and some some of what they're you know a tiny portion of what maybe they're you know, going, I don't, why would you, but how come that's, that's just such a bad, and sometimes it goes the other way and something works and you go, oh yeah. And, and if I had sat through it and it had been great, I'm not going to go, oh my God, what a way, I'm going to go, you know, that was really funny. We've sat here talking about a bunch of movies that, that you haven't, that you've have turned you over that I've sat through and I've gone, that's actually a really, that's actually a good film. That's a funny thing. I oh would, yeah. I would absolutely sit here and say, if it worked, I would say it worked. It was it was great. I wish it would have been this, but it's this, and it actually works. It's just a bad movie. It's just it, it's just bad in every which way. I, I agree. The dead don't die. Yeah. Which I watched. It's another Jeremush film. Uh, it's full of people I love, including um, you know Tilda Swinton, and uh, I don't get it. I, I wanted to get it. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird. Are you a Jarmusch fan? I don't hate Jim Jarmusch, um, but what was that supposed to be? I, I, that's you know. the thing, and I I guess at this point, if 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 you haven't seen it, come on, it's been out for a few years, so I, I hate to be a, a killjoy, but it takes a turn at at a certain point that is pretty weird and and kind of meta, even for for Jim Jarmusch and the stuff that he's done. And I've yeah. been seeing movies since I was, I went to Stranger Than Paradise when I was like 14. I knew who he was. So I love his stuff. I mean, some of it's a little hit or miss, but overall I think he's a unique voice and God bless yeah, him. Yeah, no, I, I, I respect him but, very much. But it is a, but it is a, it is an odd, I, I don't, I just. I, I, I feel like he was taking the piss out of zombie movies. Well, it, well, you look at the trailer, and you, when you see the trailer, and then you see the film, the first forty-five minutes or so, you're going, "This is, this is kind of what I expected. This is kind of the reactions from the people and the, these characters. This kind of makes sense. This is going somewhere. Even if a lot of his stuff doesn't really go anywhere, you know, in traditional sense of storytelling, but it's going somewhere. But then it takes that turn." You know what I'm saying? When it takes the turn in the car, the conversation between Adam Driver and and Murray about the song and the script. Yeah. And yeah. you're going, what just happened? 
Yeah, what? it turns it, it on its ear. Yeah, it kind of it breaks the wall, and you're going, "What? Did they just say that?" And then it just sort of, sort of just spirals out from there. It's, it's yeah, a, it's, it's a it's weird, not satisfactory conclusion. That would be a, a good summing up. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a weird movie. <laughs> yeah. Jim Jarmusch, by the way, I believe he's really hilarious on The Simpsons. Have you ever seen that episode of The Simpsons where I think they go to Sundance? No. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's directing like a cheaper by the dozen sequel, but it's like <laughs> where they're all dead. You know, it's just all these tombstones on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> um. But let's get into it. Let's go there. Um, I'm assuming you have seen Ghostbusters Afterlife. I have. I have. I saw it opening uh, weekend. And, uh, you know, we can't do an episode two years later on this because that's when I probably sit down and watch it. If right. that happens. Right. I just, and again, it's, I thought Ghostbusters was awesome when it came out. Yeah. Uh, I bought a button, you know, one of those like rectangle or square buttons you get. And I had that on my shirt until, you know, some guy in the ninth grade went like, that's a loser thing. And I I threw it away. Um, But, you know, I've never owned a single piece of Ghostbuster toys or anything like I. I still think that first film is awesome. I, you know, it, it's a perfect film in a lot of ways. It has a lot of wonderful satire to it. I guess in, in my defense, I just didn't think it was a universe in the same way that, you know, I, I don't need to see another stripes movie or, um, another Caddyshack movie, even though I was first in yeah, line for that. Um, <laughs> this is a that's a I don't know if that's a, a good a comparison because no I, I get you I get I guess I just this, this no I think it is it's the way that I view it as a great comedy for for a, but not but, a great but, adventure but, film okay but the thing is but you got to remember I mean again I'm not trying to sound like Captain fucking marketing because I'm not I think you're explaining to me this is a movie that was made in 1984 okay and Ghostbusters. As a thing, whether it makes its way into sneaker design or, you know, referencing or that logo, whatever, has been present ever since. It's not been a daily thing or a weekly thing or whatever, but the legend of this thing has loomed large for 30 years. So it's like it's it's not because Caddyshack has not loomed that way. Stripes has not is not in the vernacular that way. I'm going to bring that word back that you threw in earlier. Um. It's just, it's just not. This is a cultural thing that everybody kind of knows. And generation after generation seems to show that movie to their kids. I mean, a couple of my friends. Uh, And that's fair. I've shown my kids that film. You know, but, but I mean, I'd say that if all of my friends that have kids have shown them Ghostbusters, they have not shown them Stripes. They have not shown them Meatballs or whatever. There's something about this thing that is bigger than you know, a Bill Murray movie or something. It's a, it, 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 it was, it, it was tailor made to be a franchise. It was. Oh, it absolutely was. It, I think it's a very marketable film. So again, I think, I think what the one thing that, that effed it up is that they took so long to sequel it. 
Right. Well, that's again, that's a lot of that is Murray. A lot of the a lot of that had to do with Bill Murray and a lot of it had to do. Then he had a falling out with with Ramis whenever that was. That was in 1993 after. Well, I mean, it, it, it was, I don't know if it was that soon, but it was, I know that as of, you know, it never worked again. Eight. I know, but I'm saying as of eight, nine years ago, Ackroyd had talked about having Murray on board. Like it was, it was still going to happen. Like it had kept starting and stopping. And the biggest, the biggest problem was, was Murray. I know he reconciled with Ramis before Ramis died, but it sounded like, you know, you, I mean, there's tons of videos that have been made where, like, there were there were times it got closer and closer to actually happening. And I think each time Murray kept backing out or whatever the, the reasoning might be. I don't know how all this happened as fast as it did. But again, if you're asking, if you're if you're asking at this point, did I want another one? Well, yeah. No, I mean, if if it was like, you know, like, hey, it'd be great if you guys could, you know, get the band back together. No, but if it's going to happen and the principals are involved and someone is involved that seems to care about what made the property uh, unique or worthwhile or interesting in the first place, um, then I, I sort of get on board. I don't have any expectation. I don't go in thinking this is going to, you know, blow my mind. As it happens, I loved it. It was great. Oh, but, that's good to hear. But I'll say this. It's much more of the um, – and, this, you know, I've seen most of the stuff that, that Jason Reitman's done. I, I can't remember which ones I liked and didn't. I, didn't, I, didn't, I thought Juno was crap. But, um, I liked Juno. But, it, but it's, it's actually more of a throwback to a, 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 a type of film. And somebody used a, a used the term in, a, in something I read, like the like the Amblin type stuff, like like oh, remember, remember like arachnophobia. Yeah. Remember the movie Arachnophobia? Which Very a, much. Yeah. Why great, isn't that Why isn't that a bigger uh, great movie? Great. Yeah, movie. Why isn't that a uh, something we're still talking about? That was a good film. I do not know. That was such a good film, and it's it's anytime it's on, I'll stop and <laughs> watch a bit of it. But it's got that vibe to it. It's almost like the smartest thing he did was, you know, if you're going to take this thing and they're going to make a franchise, it's whether who's going to be involved in what, I don't know. But, but I'll say this too, man, it's, it seems to be really difficult for anybody to make a property of any kind that can write kids well, not, not, that are smarter, you know, that, that have the, you know, the banter, the kind of shit you see on shows where everybody's as clever as the next person and, you know, bitching and, you know, you know, being a certain, you know, stereotype of, of a character, or whatever you, you, th- these, these are, these feel You're like. just reminding me of Dawson's Creek. Yeah. It's that kind the of, kids always spoke like better than I did. Yeah. This kid spoke the way the guy who wrote the scripts speaks, but you couldn't get four people in a room to speak that way. If your life depended on that's just, there's no individuality or difference in the, the, there's, you know, several kids in this and they're completely different in their vibe and their tone. And it's well-written and it takes its time. And it's more, it's more about building this little world with these characters with the, with the ghosting and the, and the threat involved as a, uh, you know, as part of that. And then, the Ghostbusters, it's, it's never like every three minutes somebody talks about the Ghostbusters or mentions Ghostbusting or whatever. And, some, and in the trailer, you can see where somebody says, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
whatever it is, Paul Rudd or whoever finds the tra- ghost trap and say, oh, look at this. And the kids go, what's, what's a, what do you mean a ghost? What's a ghost bus? And you get people going, how could they not know this thing was, well, really? How could they not know? This is, this is a generation of people that everything, information moves so fast. They, they don't know where, what a map looks like. They, they've never had to memorize a phone number. I mean, why would, why would a, you know, 17 year old today, know what happened in New York City in 84 and 89. Oh, okay. Well, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's that, that's how well thought out the script is, I think. And it's not going to change anybody's life. And it's not, it's not 1984, but it's, it's, it's a really nice job. It really is. You can tell that it's done by somebody that cares about this stuff. And it is not full of, you know, there are winks, It'd be ridiculous if there weren't a wink or two or like, a, you know, a Twinkie or something. But it's not like it's a, a rapid fire succession of of, you know, uh, pop culture references involving the Ghostbusters. It's just not. Mm, that's nice to hear. Yeah, it opens. Differently than the first two did, it doesn't even it doesn't even keep the tradition going of. You know, like the like a you know the Bond films open with the gun barrel, you know the opening thing, the gun you know the gun barrel shows up, and then the opening thing, and then the credits. It even does that differently. So it's not he. he I was really impressed with how he 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 kind of wove it all together, and and then when they show up, it's. I mean, you'd have to be a, a, a darker soul than mine to not be moved by by seeing this you know one more time kind of on on screen. Um, but again, it's, it's like, I keep making this equation about Blade Runner. Um, one of my favorite films, I love it to death. Never needed another one. Never thought I'd ever get one, but never, it was beyond possibility. But then it happened and I'm like, holy shit, I didn't realize how much I did need that in my life. (laughs) Because if you're going to do it right, then, then that's what I, that's what I like. It's like the conversations we have, we had a conversation pre-recording about, the last Bond film. We've talked about Doctor Who and things like that. Where do 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 your thing. It's either going to appeal to me or it's not. But if it's if it's in the pocket of what I love about it, or the way I would like it to be done, then great. But I'm never going to like go online and you know vlog. Well, about it. like I said to you um, when we were prior to this, when we were, you know, when I, when I was from the age of zero to 31 years old there were two different actors that played spider-man and that was nicholas hammond and um toby mcguire and since that in the last 20 years i can't you know like we we've had how many spider-man movies how many and and pop i've been a patient boy all my life and pop culture is a a number 10 bus. And if I don't like the current doctor, I know the doctor will regenerate. If I don't right. like this iteration of Star Trek, well, you know, that's fine. Maybe I'll like the next one. Um, and, and further, as we always say, it's not like you're, you know, original series DVDs disintegrate. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, you exactly. Know, I've, I've, you know, that was the one thing that I've just always loved is like, oh, Rob Zombie made remade Halloween, and you know what? That was like what ten years ago, fifteen years ago. 
If you, you know anyone, if, if people you know, are not talking about that one, they're still talking about John Carpenter's, ah, which I have on Blu-ray. So Shazam, you, you, you just made my point. There's there are things that are these signposts or these moments that sort of capture the zeitgeist or whatever it is. The other thing that's interesting about the the '84 Ghostbusters too, and I was thinking about this once you mm-hmm. this topic at me because I. Even though I know it by heart, I hadn't watched it in years. Yeah, and I, 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 I want to point out that I've watched Ghostbusters maybe four times in my life. Okay, yeah, I just I just know it's one of those movies I just know by heart. But I I watched it again um, a couple weeks ago, and then I watched the, the second one in anticipation of, of seeing this movie. And um, it struck me again I, that it it's such um, you know if they had made it in 1980, let's say. Forget technology, forget what the effects would have been, etc. Um, you would have had uh, uh, hair length a certain way. You'd have even had flares. They probably would have been wearing flares in some of the scenes, like flared trousers, you know. Um, it just would have felt more 1980. You know, it's, it's got that, that luck to it, the way Blade Runner did, where the fashion in it, the, the look of the characters... You know what I mean? If you look at, at if you look at Murray and and uh, Ramis and Aykroyd in that '84 film, and you just showed it to them, you couldn't tell what year that was. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's very. There's nothing about it that's that sticks out as you know, like a like a photo of the from the set of Family Ties, where you just go, "That was 1985." I can tell. You know, even Marty McFly, what he's wearing in the first movie, where you go, "Okay, that I know exactly." That's timeless. You know, but you look at these guys and there's there's something kind of there's like a new wave kind of. You know why? Because the they're, middle-aged. they're middle aged. They're middle aged dudes. And that was part of the joke of the film. You know, they 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 they're huffing and puffing up the stairs. Well, I'm, I'm, talking more, I'm, talking more, I'm talking more like the visual. Joke yeah. of, but, you know, the other thing I thought of, too, is Moranis. Moranis. And you and I love these guys so much, and SCTV and freaking Moranis. Moranis is so good in 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 the first Ghostbusters. He's great in the second one too, but he's so good in that first one that you almost go, did this? Did he kind of did this, You know, the 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 nerdy guy that he's doing like it's it's almost like he made the blueprint for it. I know there were nerdy guys before him in movies, but he just was so completely that character and not like you even as goofy as he is and as over the top as he is you believe that that is a guy that could exist in this world at that time wearing the sweatsuit and talking to her in the hallway and stuff um it's just there's a timelessness kind of to some of it that i was really struck by the 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 aesthetic kind of and how they're dressed and stuff um so so yeah it's very lucky that it, i think that's one of the reasons that it's so I think it's one of the reasons that something like, you know, Star Wars or or um, even something like Planet of the Apes, the first Planet of the Apes, you know, what about that really shows what year it is? Like, if you were to show that to a 15-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 20-year-old that had never seen it before, a nice pristine print, would they know when it was made? I I don't think so. I think there's something about the... They'd know it was old, but you're right. Um you know what I mean? And it's it's some some things show up and they have that advantage that they're not 
you know, Star Wars comes close. If the if the haircuts had been a little more feathered, you know. Oh, yeah. Star Wars has Star Wars has yeah I, I know what you're saying you know, what, you know what I'm saying like yeah. it's, it's such a it's such on a, on the razor thin wire of boy that was close you know that could have been you know that could have been a you know a, a, one design off and you would have had you would have known what year it was yeah. <laughs> you know you know one a, a, a little more sideburn right and... yeah, exactly exactly. Um, you know, so so I think that's one of the things about Ghostbusters too is that it's it is this this thing that keeps getting passed down and is in the culture in a way that a lot of other stuff isn't. And it's certainly I think if anybody thinks of Bill Murray, or most people think of Bill Murray, I would think immediately would go to Ghostbusters before anything else that he did because it's the thing that every family has has sort of shown or experienced. I think. You, know? you mean you, they wouldn't go to the SCTV the days of the week appearance he made? No, or or the maybe the Razor's Edge. Oh, the ra- yeah. You know what? Actually, I do have uh, a, a friend who loves that film. I've never seen it. I've never seen, but obviously, I believe Murray as a dramatic actor. Because I have seen. I've actually seen the Razor's Edge. I rented it on VHS. Um, and did not did that not. Was that not the impetus to make Ghostbusters in the first place? I think my understanding was that he was hell-bent on making this thing, and Columbia agreed, yeah, you can make this as long as you're – I think it was the, the turning point to get them to pony up the dough for this thing, which wasn't an expensive movie. It didn't make a dime. But I remember watching it thinking, um, you know, he's, he's fine in it. He's, he's good in it. It's fine. It's, it's a It's a – you know, you see it and you kind of forget it. But at the time, thinking, please tell me that he's going to do more comedy. <laughs> yeah, like, I, like, I remember. I remember that was the um, the the reaction I had as a kid. Yeah. When I was watching the you know the preview for Ghostbusters, thirteen years old, going, yeah, he, he's not he's not going to just make these kind of films, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, so that worry. And it, it it is it is a really strange footnote in that career that he at that particular time that he wanted to do this so badly and it's not um it's not it's not a bad film. It's just like really? What? Um and I think he then after Ghostbusters didn't he move to Paris and live there for years and you know, I don't think he he showed up in Little Shop of Horrors. He shows yeah. up in, in that. And then the only was, reason I wanted to see that film, and I've never seen that film, uh, is be, I've seen the original <laughs> Black and White. There's a pattern here with you. It's either <laughs> you're like, and I've only seen, and I've never finished that film. I saw part of it, but I haven't finished it yet. Or, and I've never seen that film. So you you never saw Little Shop of Horrors to see him in it. Uh, no, I didn't go see because at the time um, I have no answer to this. I've seen the, I've seen the original Carmen Little Shop of Horrors, but I've never seen the musical version. No, I and saw the musical version because hey, there's nothing to see. There's nothing to see the theater, and in the trailer I was like, oh my god, Steve Martin, Rick Moranis, Bill Murray isn't John Candy. I'm going. They got my eight bucks, and I went and saw it. <laughs> Well, you lived in a metropolitan area, sir. 
What, what, what did you live in, Hobbiton? I lived in a town where I in- would work. I worked in a variety store, and I would sell cigarettes to men who looked like, you know, if you closed your eyes and said, farmer, um, that guy, you know, like the red you, cap. I, and the this. little shop of horrors never made it to that neck of the woods. It was tough to get there. Yeah. And, you know, money and you picked your battles. And, you know, I, yeah, I always had money because yeah, I, I, I worked at, I worked bussing tables in junior high. And then by the time I got to high school, I was waiting tables every weekend, Friday, Saturday night, probably illegally because I was, you know, handling booze and I was, you know, 14, 15 to 17, 18. I, I waited tables for seven years. So I always had cash in my pocket. None of my friends ever had cash, but mm. I always worked through, you know, so I was, so I could take <laughs> my spoils and go, I'm going to go see the little shop of horrors. You know, I, I treated some Friday nights like, I was going to the red carpet premiere of whatever the film was, you know. The- See, I, I have always had a job since I was about 13, but um, I worked for the family business, um, which was usually in warehouses and sanding drywall on stuff. And there was no reciprocation. <laughs> well, I, I worked at the family business, too, but I had a big. Yeah, mom. but you had, had paying big- customers. I had a big wad of ones because yeah. I was charming as a weight person and got 20% usually. So I, uh, I uh, that, that wouldn't have been my end. I'd be walking down the main street, just throwing one. Here you go, everybody. Come on, it's on me. Let's go to little shop oars. <laughs> and just, you know, pop. Why didn't we know each other? Oh, it's because you probably would have taken me to Dune. I would have, uh, I, would have, I, would have been, I would have had you get me cigarettes. If you had that job, I would have been like, listen, come to them. I'll pay for your ticket. Get me a carton of, of uh, like Paul Malls, was it? <laughs> I'm in Canada. I'd have to get you Du Maurier. Give me a carton of Du Maurier, please. Hey, Ed, did you know that um, Bill Murray is going to be in a Marvel movie? I heard this, and then I never sort of got confirmation on it. Is he in? Is it an Ant Man thing or something? Ant Man and Wasp: Quantum Mania. Uh, I wonder what that's about. Um, <laughs> He, you know what? He should get everything, everything. He he is. You have to admit that every time. I mean, he has gone left or right each time. It's gone the other way. He he has had a very strange career, and he is he is a one off. Yeah. Uh, that he can, and I genuinely think where this is concerned, and uh, you know, he, the other thing about Murray too is you can't, you can't. It's hard to find. You know. You know. Uh, fluffy bullshit interviews with him anywhere in all these years. No, he, he's himself. And he, you hear all kinds of crazy <laughs> stories about him. And I genuinely think he did this because he wanted to do it. It's, it's a certain amount of, now whether what the, I'm sure there'll be another one and what that means for any of them. I don't know, but I think he, he did it because of the Reitmans and it, there's something touching about that. When you go back that far with Ivan Reitman, and Aykroyd. I mean, it's, it's it's crazy to think these guys, and really, in all the years they've known each other, how many times have have, have Murray and Aykroyd been on on screen together? You had the show, and then three movies, and that's it, you know. And now one of them's gone, and we, we don't even we don't even we, we didn't even get that to see them, you know, again. So it's like 
it's it's uh, it's it's historic in you know it doesn't you can like it you can not like it you can be for it or against it but it would be pretty churlish to just go I don't feel anything to see those two together doing it I mean I'd love to see them in coffee and cigarettes sitting down in a black and white twelve minute film talking about coffee I'd be happy to see that see I like that stuff where you know whatever it is if you get this iconic person or this thing that I love and they're in this thing, um, I appreciate that it's there. I can easily say it's not good or it's, you know, garbage or terrific, but I love that it's, that it exists because you get so, so little of that, you know, those, uh, like Nicholson and De Niro, two of the most iconic actors of the seventies. They actually were in a film together. Yeah. They, yeah, The Last Tycoon. They were in a film, and I didn't find out until high school, because I'd never heard of this thing. You had to track down a copy. Um, and it's it's a forgettable film. It's not a good film. It's and Ilya Kazan, who was a rat! No, sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, I got carried away. I can't, I remember when I got blacklisted. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ilya Kazan That's so uh, weird you just brought him up, because I was just watching... Um, uh, Horror Express, and uh, that got brought up in the uh, the commentary. Oh, the blacklist. Yeah. Um, how did it? How was it? Because I've got that. I didn't listen to the commentary, but what? What's oh the, yeah, you know what's the, funny is I was listening to the commentary, and uh, I you don't see the dudes in the film, but you can um, you know exactly who they are from any documentary you've ever watched mm-hmm. and you know, like you, you, I can picture them and, but they're interesting. And, uh, but I believe if I'm not mistaken, and I'm trying to back this up, uh, Telly Savalas's character in horror express mm-hmm. is named Kazan. Oh, and because it was a, um, Good Lord, this is weird. I should go out and buy a lottery ticket. Uh, yeah, Captain Kazan. It's because the writer of Horror Express was um, blacklisted because oh. of Kazan. Oh. And, and okay. they, they brought it up. And it's so weird that just before oh, uh, we recorded, I listened to that and I got that reference. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means, Jason. I, I, I should have bought a lottery ticket. Good. Or something tonight, but we have, uh, we, that, we have that weird chemistry though. We, it's not we do, but that that was so show. serendipitous. And I know that that one guy is going to be mad because we're not talking about Bill Murray constantly. But that was effed up, dude. Um, piss him off, that guy. For the next however long we do this, yeah, I think I think we should just be reading the paper for the, yeah. next, <laughs> the next episode we do. <laughs> It's just yeah, this it's, card it's, table for sale in my neighborhood. <laughs> but it is, it's one of those things that I really dig that, you know, it's like the thing we, we've brought this up several times that like when I, this is maybe six months ago, whatever it was that I saw, I can't believe I've lived this long and not known that the who performed Tommy on stage in London and John Pertwee showed up. <laughs> You know, on stage, dressed. Well, because that a, just happened, though. Because yeah, he, you know, yeah, I know. I mean, I, and I, I texted you right away, and I said, "How 
how is this just coming? So those universes of things that I love colliding or being on screen together or in the same thing or whatever, um, I love that thing. I think I think two of the worst things to happen to to um, and again, you know me well enough to know I don't hold all this stuff precious. Like like I was like we love Planet of the Apes, okay? Like, but you have to admit the first film is where it's at. You know, the other movies are great, but the first film is what, if you were going to turn anybody on, you'd say, that's the one. Oh, yeah, then, that's, that's the most solid foundation of the series. That there is you, there an excellent go. film. But you're, The but rest you're, are fun, yes, but and, and they're, not, they're not in the same zip code as that first film. They're good, and we love them, and they're great, but that first one is whatever. So we're not so married to this stuff that everything oh, is, gosh, no. yeah. you know, so, so precious. You know, and and th- so so these 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 little weird you know moments that happen, I think are are I think the two like I said the two worst things I think that have happened are the term deconstructing and the term fan service. I think there's it's such fucking wanking. I don't I don't get how these things became so prevalent in every commentary in every conversation because. Fan service can mean anything. What, is that, what does that mean? Does that mean my name is Bond, James Bond? Is that, oh, you can't do that. That's fan service. That's, you're giving them what they want. You know, would you want them to retire and go live on a farm? What, what, what do you want? Maybe, maybe this isn't the, the franchise for you. Maybe, maybe Bond isn't your thing if that's what you, you know. They, they, they've, they've done a lot of damage, I think, where you can't, people can't just, and you, you but you, your analogy is perfect too about, the embarrassment of riches where everything is it's it's the action figure thing it's the something comes out a, a, an image comes out for a product that's not going to hit for 8 or 9 months and by the third comment it's well i hope they're going to get to so and so i'd like to build an army of you know hydra people or whatever you go this one hasn't even come out yet this this constant where's what's the, the next one will be better the next one oh they should have done this it should be better it's it's led to uh, millions of people that can't just sit back and go, I'm just going to enjoy this. I'm just going to see what this thing does and how it is. And, you know, who knows? Maybe when I see the Eternals in a year from now or six months on Disney Plus or whatever, I might go, yeah, I loved it. It was great. It was not what I thought. Yeah, my, my son about. loved it. And uh, it wasn't enough to drag me to a theater. Uh, I don't know what could drag me to a theater right now. But um, yeah, and that's and you know how we all you always are good at sort of <clears throat> we both do this, but I think you in different ways about pinpointing moments and maybe why you it, it affected you a certain way. You were in you know dating that person or you were working at that. <laughs> this yeah. this was my third movie. I've only seen three movies in two years. Right. Uh, I saw Bond. And I saw Ghostbusters, and I saw uh, 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 last uh, last night in Soho. Are the three that I've seen? So there's a bit of a, that there's a tiny ten percent more of a buzz to just go. I'm in a theater. It's not the same. It never will be. I hate to say it. It's just it doesn't feel like you know. And my beloved ArcLight is closed. So you got. I went to a place, the Grove. In LA, and it was the Americana, which is the same thing as the Grove, same kind of owners, AMC. You know, I was used to going to the ArcLight where it's like, it's kind of posh and, you know, you can't find a Snickers, but you can get a Tobel Roan. It's that kind of place. 
But they didn't have anything. <laughs> they had popcorn and they had cups for soda. They didn't have any other and some candy. But nothing else up on the menu existed. They didn't have mm. it. And you could get the, you know, assigned seat or whatever, but it was just a weird, all very weird experiences. So I'm, it's, it's, it's a wonder that I, I came away with good feelings altogether. But, mm. uh, but yeah, but I, um, I enjoyed it. I really, I really, it sort of, uh, it sort of hit me. And, uh, I think you should see it. I think it'd be good for you eventually, whenever you see it. Yeah, I won't, I won't go, I'll probably check it out. I mean, um, I live with the child of the 80s and, uh, she'll eventually want to watch it, but, um, I think you, I think you dig it because it's not, it doesn't hold this stuff. It's, it's more of a vibe of, of a certain type of film that doesn't really come. I keep thinking of arachnophobia. I don't know why, but that's, hmm. that's the best example I can think. Cause someone tried to say oh, it's kind of a Goonies thing. It's like, eh. I was, I don't, oh God, I, I hate the Goonies. Yeah, um, I, believe me, if I thought it was Goonies, I wouldn't be, yeah. I wouldn't be digging on it. But um, I don't know, but like I, I got lambasted on Twitter over saying the Ice Pirates sucked. But you know, uh, how dare you, <laughs> sir? That um, that and Magnum Force were Robert Urich's best theatrical films. <laughs> And they're two of the three that I think he made theatrically. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, yeah, he made Endangered Species, which is an underrated little little thriller with Joe Beth Williams. But boy, he didn't. He he. Boy, TV loved Robert Urich. He yeah. was the he was the king of television. How did we get to Robert he, Urich? I don't know, but name and me. How do we show, get back? How do we how, name me a show that hits Ilya Kazan, the 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 Blacklist, Robert Urich, where the Buffalo Roam. You know, buying me cigarettes in high school. Mm. Who, who's got this kind of breadth in their podcast? No one is the answer. No one. No, nobody, nobody does. That's why we're up for a Peabody, I think, this year. That's a big, or a Samuel, a Mark Twain award. A Mark Twain um, Yeah, I don't know what that if I, is. If I listen, if you win, hey, fine. I'll do the speech. If I win, I hope that you'd you'd, uh, you'd come to the ceremony and, and send me off. I will come to the ceremony, sir, and I will do a one-man Mark Twain show. But please be warned, I know precious little about Mark Twain. Well, there's time. <laughs> no, there isn't. There's time. I, the- I, I, I will make it my business to know precious. <laughs> I'll actually hit myself in the head to <laughs> unlearn things about Mark Twain. Speaking of which, and we've never, this is a weird thing to talk. Did you see the Kilmer documentary? The Val Kilmer documentary? A bit of it, and it, uh, made me sad. Yeah, man. And then I had to go to bed, so I didn't finish it, but. Man, uh, man. that is a, God bless him, but that is a tough. Yeah, oh, that made me, that made me feel. Yeah. I don't like that. So. Well, what a great way to wrap it up, this episode. <laughs> Once again, bringing joy into your lives. The latest well, episode. Well, yeah, you know what? This is a two-hour episode, and we've already been on the phone for an hour. So, yeah, well, I think it's time. You know, we we missed November. And listen, I I'm, date, I was Miss November. I used to date Miss November, and let me yeah, tell you, me too. It, ain't like, it ain't like missing November. She told me so, all about you. We feel bad about that. So there you go. You got an extra half hour 40 minutes of bullshit from us and hopefully that'll tide you over until enjoy uh, that filler and nonsense everybody <laughs> um we'll be back 
this month to do something else. And uh, we're going to have guests. Jason has been our booker, and he's doing some interesting things. I'm trying to get Bill Murray, but he's got an answering service. And he I, has an answering service, and he just said no. Yes. Yeah. For, for, for part two of our Bill Murray dissertation. Yeah, well, what he did say was, I wish you guys would get right to the topic and not discuss HBO movies. <laughs> by the way, by the way, I have yeah. his <laughs> book. He wrote a book about golf called Cinderella oh. Story. Talk about This was a cash grab. It's called Cinderella's Story, and uh, he did an appearance in New York where he did a signing. And uh, I was there the day after, like, you know, you walk into Barnes & Noble, and it's like, what? He was what? Yeah. They had two copies behind the counter, and I bought one. So I've got a signed copy of Cinderella's Story. Oh, you know what? I want to bring up one story. Um, yep. And this is how we'll end out. My friend Rob, Rob Kelly of the Fire and Water podcast. Hey, Rob. Uh, yeah, who has – I've been a guest on his show a billion times. He's, big, oh, he's a great guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, neighbor's kid? You are. You are. Oh. These are my friends. Um, and uh, they – I just was on the Superman 3 movie minute with them, and uh, – we did the the robot lady scene in that movie <laughs> that scarred me and made me wet my pants. Anyways, okay. I um, he drew an illustration of Bill Murray, I believe, for a magazine or whatever, mm. and that became that effing thing you see on the chive. Like they just stole his drawing. And, like, I can be driving and see that Bill Murray on a bumper sticker or on someone's car. Oh. He, he has received dime none from that. Boy, that's, uh, that's a sadder ending than the Kilmer. Yeah, uh, well, I, it seems perfect. Um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, so, so what, has Bill what, Murray, what's, by the way. What's the, but, but uh, forgive me, because I don't know if I know that. You know, like, like you're telling me there's an image that like, kind of like the Andre the Giant, the Obey thing that we, yeah, you know, yeah, there's, and there's it's a, drawn by Rob Kelly. And what's uh, the what's the what like what's the image of Murray? Like what a young Murray, a, a today Murray? No, a slightly older Murray. I think it was, I think Rob uh, drew it for a magazine illustration. And what does it like, say? So he, what did like the bumper stickers say? They don't say anything. It's oh. it's it's just an image that I think of the website the Chive which I, I've never been to, um, was marketing. And um, it got everywhere. It went, like, huh. viral. But the artist of that image is Rob Kelly, and he didn't really ever get a dime out of that. And hmm. uh, Wow. You know, uh, it's like, you know, it's almost like, uh, it, it, it's almost like knowing the guy who drew Calvin Peen. Um <laughs> Calvin, Calvin peeing? Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah, you know, Calvin peeing on your yeah. favorite thing. Yeah. Uh, but if you if you Google Chive Bill Murray, you'll see the image a million times. Huh. And as a Rob Kelly illustration. No kidding. Yeah. Well, I I designed the Nike swoosh. I've gotten nothing for it. I got 200 bucks for that. You designed the Nike swoosh a year before yeah. you were born? Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, I drew it in the womb. Yeah, I was going to say you—you you have not lived <laughs> up to the expectations of your birth. 
<laughs> you, and listen, and I don't need if a you. Baby popped out with a trend-setting logo. You've peaked. Listen, I don't need you to tell me I haven't lived up to my birth. Okay, yeah. thank you. You're the wind beneath my wind. Okay, I, I I showed up with an overdue phone bill, and <laughs> things have just gone gotten better from there. <laughs> well, there you go. Hi, mom. You need to pay this. <laughs> You were sneaking out at night making long distance calls trying to buy That's toys. That's right. Uh, <laughs> toys that didn't hadn't been made yet. Hadn't been made yet. That's gonna be worth <laughs> something someday. Yeah. Just calling Marty Abrams. I gotta get that. By the way, did you see what I wrote about the It's a Small World catalog that you posted? I saw that. Yes. Absolutely. Man, talk about Talk about yeah, that was the internet, man. And did you see what happened with that? And for everyone that doesn't know, we I posted on my Instagram uh, the It's a Small World catalog, and then I joked with somebody because I Israel Levick, who owns Toy Tokyo in It's a Small World, I, I've I've known him for forty years, <clears throat> forty years, thirty years, and um, I've had dinner with him. I've shipped stuff to his house. And he's always called me Brad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this guy, Paul Chu, that I know, happened to read that and was, like, standing next to Israel at the oh. time, or Lev, as they call it. And he yeah. sends me this video of Lev going, hi, Brad. That's <laughs> fun. And it's just like, okay, that's hilarious. Yeah. That's um, where? How did we get here? Because I just I mentioned that you posted it and I thought you could for the longest time I didn't think you could find it, but then yeah. had it I have it somewhere. But that just was such sense memory of oh my god yeah and I've that, got tons of those I still have all those old catalogs oh, I got to start posting those up I've got uh, just kids nostalgia and um, uh, Cyclops and company all these you know 90s. that is that you got but you got to say and you're much more of a toy person than I am let's be honest. Even though I'm probably more plastic, no. But you, um, you got to admit that thing, that catalog, is a secret handshake. Like if you know oh. that, you know that that is the, that is the the day the clown cried of, of toy catalog. <laughs> because oh, except that not it's everybody, good. <laughs> not everybody knows, but not, not everyone knows about it. Few people have actually seen it or held it. How many of those copies, you know, went in the garbage, you know, 30 years ago? Like, there, there can't be a ton floating around. Um, but it, it's it was it, it, it made it made a scene. Everybody can collectively to this day even go best catalog ever printed. Best collection. Yeah, that, that's stuff never stuff that's never. Things. And, you know, what's funny is that's never going to get taken away. Nope. Because um, it's not like somebody's going to try to top it. No, uh, but I'm saying. In the in that realm of those, well, then the internet happened, so it doesn't really matter. But like, that's exactly realm, what I was going in the in the realm of those things. Like, like it, it was, it was just even the best thing. You know where you get those black and white things? Sometimes it'd be on newspaper, and sometimes it would be on glossy paper, and like, oh, that looks. Like, but then this thing shows up. I mean, Andy Foley used to do color copies. Oh yeah, Andy Foley. Was, send those. I, I think I was. I think I'm still Facebook friends. Those th this thing shows up and it's like, you know, it's like the Dead Sea Scrolls or the Shroud of Turin shows up on your doorstep. It was still a big deal. Anyway, I wish you could change in the just wrap it up about Bill Murray so we can get out of here. I have to go take the dog for a pee. So on that note, 
Uh, good night, everybody, or good morning. I don't care. Thanks uh, for listening, buddy. We'll be yeah. back very soon. Brian promises. I promise.